Here's the Buzz BuzzFeed quiz. I'm taking it right now. I think we should all take it. Okay. Are you taking it, Shane? Oh, just. <laughs> Who would be my soulmate in the good place? I don't know what my best quality is. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I'm cheaty. Oh, I'm cheaty too. <laughs> this doesn't work. These, it was rigged. <laughs> Are we just all cheaties? Watch. Shaheen is not cheaty. Choose an ice cream flavor. Oh my god, Shaheen. It is not that serious. A most important thing in what way? Oh man. Okay. Choose an ice cream flavor. Ooh, shit. I'm Jason. <laughs> <laughs> everyone and welcome to May We Geek Again, uh, episode 59. We are a podcast covering sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes. Um, my name is Joe and I am joined as ever by my wonderful co-host Shaheen. Hey guys. Hello. And Bubs. Hi. Hi. Um, we are now starting finally, finally, finally after much promising um, humans. Dude. We're starting Humans, which is a BBC show that Shaheen has been very excited to talk about. Uh, it also airs on AMC, and you Dude, can find it I on am Amazon. So fucking pumped <laughs> to talk about um, this. Real quick, um, you can find us on Twitter at May We Geek Again. You can email us at MayWeGeekAgain at gmail.com. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, and we're also, you're probably listening to us uh, hopefully on SoundCloud, but you can find us there and on iTunes. Um, generally we will kind of jump right into the episode, but because, uh, a couple of weekends ago, Bubs and I were at a convention for the hundred, which is another show that we cover. Um, we're going to fill you guys in about that. Um, is this my cue? Cue <laughs> <laughs> Shaheen. <laughs> and yeah, go. guys. So, um, if you're here to listen to a podcast about humans, whether you're, you know, a hundred fan or not. Um, you can skip to eight minutes and 38 seconds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at Conageddon was a hundred convention uh, held in Boston over St. Patty's Day weekend. It's actually a con that Bob Morley, Eliza Taylor, and Zach McGowan uh, of the hundred started. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was a little bit of a different vibe in terms of it was a bit more laid back um, in terms of guests. Uh, Louisa was there. Richard, sorry, Louisa, who plays um, Amori, Amori. Uh, Richard uh, uh, Murphy. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking? Uh, Chelsea <laughs> Harper and uh, Tasia was there, who plays Echo. Uh, Christopher Larkin was supposed to be there, but I think he had a scheduling conflict. Was that Sad. everyone? Was that ever all the cast that was there? I think so. Uh, yes. We'll, we'll insert it if not. And Joe Garfine, a fandom favorite, uh, hosted all the panels. I will wonderful say- Wonderful human. Wonderful human. Wonderful human. Um, there is not a lot in terms of details to report because the cast was still on lockdown. They could not talk about a fucking thing about season six, though I did live tweet the, every single more. panels. Huh? I think we still got more than we did at Unity Days, for sure, as evident by your live tweets, which were yes, amazing. Yes, I, I, thank you. Um, we found out that the main takeaways were uh, Eliza Taylor teased that Clark might make you laugh this season. Which oh, is uh, shocking. Which is shocking. <laughs> um, 
what else? Uh, well, I've had some it, funny moments before. Yeah, like the film I bit be was fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Season one, she had some good ones. Um, or like, um, what was the other one? Like where Finn splashed her and she gave like the most attitude-y like, huh. that was cute. Anyways. Why are, you, why are you bringing up Finn on this fucking podcast? Because <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> he is dead. Um, now, yeah. As far as a Congo, it was a little bit it, it was a little bit different because the cast sort of hosted it and, you know, kind of brought their friends. So it it, it was a little bit, I would say, more intimate. Um, you know, y- you definitely got they they seemed a lot more relaxed. Um, there were a couple of different parties you could go to and, you know, hang out and mingle with them and stuff. Um, but I really, have a confession. <laughs> oh, what is your confession, Bubs? So um, you know how we talked about like the VIP party was very cool. All the entire cast was there, which is yeah. like, awesome. Um, but like they played a, beer, a beer pong. pong, yeah. And so everyone was watching it. So if you're not like into watching a beer pong game, it was kind of like awkward. And so we talked about this, and I was like, "Yeah, that's." I mean, on a level, it's weird. Anyway, so the other day I couldn't sleep, so I watched a video of people watching them play beer pong. The entire video. So, anyways, I can't say anything, and I wow. enjoyed it. So, hey, <laughs> wow. Um, so I have that confession. So yeah, it's a good time, and it's. I think that's it's that's quite the did. confession, Bubs. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm honest. That's the one I picked on the BuzzFeed quiz. Uh, the other you thing. Put on your uh, OkCupid is like the most private thing I will admit about myself. I watch <laughs> other people watch other people playing beer pong. Yeah. Reaction videos of reaction videos of reaction videos. Um, the other notable things that happened: uh, the Klexa, the famed Klexa bed selfies were auctioned off um, live, which w- on Sunday, which was. Super crazy. They raised uh, $6,800 um, for Cancer Guests Lost, which uh, was donating all the money to, um, I think, the Children's Cancer Foundation, Children's mm-hmm. Cancer Research, um, which was great. There was, uh, you know, the rest of the auction, I think, in total, the auctions raised, I think, $15,000, um, which is huge. Great. Good job, fandom. And mm-hmm. feel free to um, scroll back through our Twitter um, just to just to do a, a recap of, of all the live tweets. But the main highlight, I think... Um, of the of the whole weekend was a fan encounter that I had in an elevator. I think it was on Saturday. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I I wear a little pin at like a little button on my shirt at at these conventions that says other Joe, because Joe Garfine is OG <laughs> Joe. And we look somewhat similar if you just had to describe us. You um, use the same hair product. We use the same hair product. We're just like similar like, height, <laughs> like similar hair. Like, so, you know. It, it's funny. It's funny. It's the fun. joke is that I am other <laughs> Joe. So I was in the elevator. And with these two, these two girls were standing across from me and they kind of saw my, um, they saw my, my pin. They were like, oh my God, other Joe, are you Joe from May We Geek again? <laughs> and, you know, like not to be whatever, but getting recognized for this Trash Fire <laughs> podcast was a pretty big moment. <laughs> Thanks for and listening, I, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, all of you. Thanks for not shutting us off quite yet. And I was like, no, you know, thank you so much. She's like, oh my God, I love your podcast, blah, blah, blah. And we chatted for a second. The elevator doors open and like we both go to leave and like, you know, I let them out first. And she's like, and and Shaheen is my favorite, and she just walks away. And I was like, "Thanks for listening." <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, meanwhile, Joe texts this the t- to the three of us, and I don't realize that it's like all of us on the text. So I just see the text being like, "Oh," and she said, "You're her favorite," and so I was like, "What? Oh my god!" And then I open the text, and it says, "You're you're my favorite, Shaheen." <laughs> 
And I was like, oh, never mind. I didn't get that text. <laughs> yeah, you were on the text thread. You, you were on the text. You responded to it. Text. Fucking stoner. Yeah. I swear Maybe to God. You should smoke <laughs> there was anyway. a text about someone saying I'm their favorite. Oh, uh, it exists. Yes, there was. It exists. I'm going to send you screen grabs when we're done recording. But anyway. <laughs> hilarious. Con again, this was kind of a shitty wrap up. You guys uh, are not most... the most important part of my life, you know? So... <gasps> <laughs> Sorry. No. I mean, fair. You so, can say it. It doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> let's let's get into our actual podcast. Um, what as 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 tradition? What are you guys drinking tonight? Uh, do you have anything besides microwave tea, Shaheen? I have real freshly brewed tea. Okay. Um, oh, awesome. and and yeah. the usual other substances. Yeah, I mean. Okay. Yeah, okay. for sure. And I have uh, I have s'mores chips ahoy. <laughs> Are they? I'm, are they I'm branching or out. In, in, uh, they're crunchy. Okay, that sort sounds of. delicious. Yeah. Um, what about you, Bubs? I am having flying dog, so you know this is going to be a disaster. Um, tropical bitch, which I what think is fitting is for that? a podcast. It is a Belgian style India pale ale brewed with guava, pineapple, and tangerine. Can you and taste the tropics? Delicious. No, it just tastes like beer. But okay. I'm imagining it. You're imagining the, the waves lapping at your toes? Yeah. Nice. I'm opening another one. Yeah. Um, today, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot that I'm actually drinking something today. Um, for some strange reason, I am drinking a scotch and soda. It is a Glenlivet 18 um, with some Topo Chico and shitty ice from my refrigerator. <laughs> so there you go. Um. Let's see, we already did social media, we already did host intros. Let's get into the episodes. Um, so today we are covering the first two episodes of Human Season 1. Um, I think I mentioned it at the top of the show, but if, first of all, we're going to spoil shit. So if you don't want spoilers, catch up and then come back and listen to us. Otherwise, if you don't care about spoilers, continue listening. And you can stream Humans, the first two seasons, on Amazon Prime, and then I think possibly AMC has season three, or season three will come out pretty soon on Amazon Prime as well. Um, the first two episodes were directed by Sam Donovan and written by Sam Vincent and Jonathan Brackley, and apparently there are no episode names for them. So it is just episodes one and two. Um, yeah, you guys ready to get into it? Yes. Ooh, yes. yes, I am. Yes, I am. All right. Um, what did you guys think? Overall takes, Bubs? I really liked it more the second time around because I wasn't really – the story unfolds kind of slowly in season one. Not a bad thing. Um, I think there's a lot of shows that are very breakneck pace, so it's kind of like nice um, to have something that isn't that way. Um, but it was, it was harder to get into at first. But on rewatch, it is just – it's really good storytelling, and you you have love for these characters, so it's nice to see their introduction again. So I really enjoyed rewatching one and two. So yeah, all right, yeah, I I I like I would totally agree. Um, I feel like that is something that just sort of British shows in general kind of you know they're a bit slower to start. Um, you know for mo for the most part. Um. But yeah, I, I, the world building that happened in especially the first episode, but definitely the first two episodes is just phenomenal. It just, it was so natural and like it didn't, it didn't kind of hit you over the face. Like each of the interactions that sort of all the characters had that sort of mm -hmm. told you about their world, it never kind of really felt forced. Um, yeah, totally agree. What about, what about you, Shaheen? I uh, have 
nothing but praise for this <laughs> uh, for this show and the, these episodes. I mean, these first five or six episodes of season one are some of my most favorite episodes in all of sci-fi. And um, is the first season your favorite of humans? Uh, yeah, probably because of this this first batch. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, they're all really good. I mean, that's that's the other thing. I mean, it's like there's been. Uh, there have been three seasons, and I, I'm still not, you know, <laughs> I was, there's nothing, nothing's blown my mind, you know, not, you know, nothing's broken Shaheen yet. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not having, like, yeah, it's very, this is, like, possibly not, not only the most philosophically rich sci-fi show that I've ever seen, but also, you know, one with the most, um, consistency and you know i was thinking what kinds of consistency so first of all thematic consistency like it's always about the same topic and it still doesn't get old um but it's you know always presenting you with the same dilemma with the same choice with the same question again and again even like in season three you know what happens with laura um Mm -hmm. you know the choice laura's choice (laughs) Um, that still, you know, throws that in your face after everything else. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, in terms of like this metaphysical or ontological consistency, like it's, it's sort of rules, the rules that it lays down don't break because of like the convenience of the storyteller. You know, like I was complaining to you guys about 12 monkeys, how like the timeline, the mechanics of the the timelines have kind of been, you know, (laughs) massaged. (laughs) <laughs> over time uh so it not i i don't know of anything like that in humans i mean maybe other people have found these things that you can point out point out to us on twitter <laughs> come joe, yell at us about about your well actuallys yeah and joe will let me know and then also just like the narrative itself like there are no plot holes or like nothing that i ever felt like whoa this is ridiculous why would this care actually there's one thing at the end of at the end of season one i think or season two Anyway, we'll get to that. But I do have a big of, well, well actually. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I do have a big well actually, actually. Well, but I'm gonna, I guess, well wait actually. till the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's like it—it like goes along with what you just said. Okay, so we're, we're, you're gonna save it for later, though. I'm gonna save it for later. Okay. Um, I'm also sorry. I'm also um, kind of impressed by how they they weave the philosophy into the story. I mean, from my point of view, I don't know how to. Mo- it's I don't know. It's kind of unlikely that they didn't know anything about it, but because like it's always there, anyway. But without ever explicitly referring to it, you know, like in, in it's not like the good place where like philosophy is explicitly referred to, um, but it's just like kind of woven into the story. Uh, I really like that. I also love the music. It really adds to the atmosphere, and I want to also get a sh- give a shout out to. The movement director, <laughs> or the movement direction for the synths. Yeah, I watched that video that you sent over, and yeah. I'll, I'll be sure to post a link to it um, once we do post up this podcast uh, to this. They're basically, you know how like other shows will have stunt choreographers or fight choreographers or dance choreographers yeah. or whatever. This is a, a movement class of how they sort of figured out how to move like synths and it's all very precise and it's it's super cool because you you do have to think about it you do have to think about okay if i were you know not human i would therefore be as efficient as possible in my movements and what does that look like um so that was super cool to watch um 
So before we actually get into the episodes themselves, um, Shaheen, you had a little bit of uh, philosophy housekeeping that you wanted yeah. to, to do <laughs> as, as a bit of a, some groundwork. Yeah, I want to do some legwork. Uh, and so kind of, I mean, bear with me. It's a little tedious, but I think it's, um, I will, I'll try to like go through it as quickly as possible. And um, there's, luckily, most of it is stuff that, uh, you know, we don't have to remember, but there's a few concepts in there that, that I want to highlight because um, I will be referring to them throughout this podcast as long as we talk about humans Probably every episode that we talk about humans, <laughs> these concepts are going to come up. It's quite the threat. Yeah, these are <laughs> these are like the philosophical foundations of this show, and I think everything that happens on the show can be analyzed in terms of the concepts that I'm about to introduce. So, okay, and and that's because of this one magic word, conscious, right? So, consciousness. Um, what the heck is that? So if you if you look at if you just look at the show, if you write down every instance of where the word the word conscious or consciousness is used on the show, um, I um, claim that almost all of the most the vast majority of it will fall under one or two things. Either it means that it can make choices when they say this entity is conscious. What they mean is it can make choices. Um, which is what philosophers call agency. Hmm. Or what they mean is that it can feel. You know, sometimes they say it can feel, it can think, stuff like that, right? It can feel pain, for example, or, you know, when it looks at the flower, it actually sees it now, right? It's like this light that goes on. Um, can I ask a question? Uh -huh. and, and probably this is, we're going to just get in, mired <laughs> down in this, but but... If if an AI mm -hmm. arrives at a decision through a programmatical stream, mm -hmm. is that agency, or is that well, the that's question what that we're, we're gonna? That's, that's what, what we're asking. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's actually what I love about this show is like season one is sort of about a very small number of people understanding that there are synths that exist, and then season two is some more people find out and then season three everyone finds out and so it's all of these humans sort of trying to reckon with that idea yeah <laughs> yeah anyway sorry sorry for interrupting and no asking worries. the question that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole basis the, the thesis of this podcast yeah no please ask any question or interrupt as much as you want so okay so yeah i was saying that when they say conscious they mean one of two things and sometimes they use them together um they kind of use them interchangeably on the show. There's this background assumption that I'm actually not really happy about uh, that <laughs> that these two things always come together, okay? But there are two separate concepts if you think about it. One is the concept of being able to make choices and there's some notion of being able to make genuine choices, right? Because as you said, like Anita, in the literal sense, she makes choices. She chooses between two options, right? Um when she, for example, moves the hot tray and hits, you know, Laura, she makes a choice. She says, I made a choice, right? Um, but we think somehow that's not genuine choice, right? Um, so anyway, that's the one notion of conscious is agency. And then the other one is that they can feel, you know, it can really think and, and so on, whatever that is, right? It's, both of them are vague notions. 
Um, so the first one I said philosophers call agency, and the second one they call it qualia because it's you know like the quality of the experience, right? So uh, there's uh, all the stuff that's going on in your brain on the electric signals, but there's also what it feels like to see something or to hear something or whatever, right? Um, so, and the idea is that it could be in in theory. This is usually called the zombie argument in philosophy, but it's actually in this show, that's literally what this show is about. But instead of zombies, you have synths. And the idea is that it could be that someone acts exactly like a human, but doesn't actually feel any of it, doesn't has no awareness of any of it. If you think about it, it's not really important. It's not really necessary that you have awareness of it. You can do, you can carry out all the functions without, uh, you know, feeling it and so um, the question is you know first of all what is that feeling what are those quality what is, where does it come from why do we have them is it what is its nature and so on right okay so we have these two things and if you look at this show it's they always come together like whenever they they upload the consciousness code or whatever and they come online they two things happen both they can suddenly really feel and see like before they were quote unquote processing visual data, but they weren't actually seeing, but now they suddenly see like this light comes on. Right. And now it's all bright in there before it was dark. Um, and so, and then the other thing that happens at the same time is that they're now able to make choices other than things that they were told to do. Um, and so why is it have the why do they have to come together? Um that's something we can talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so but they do apparently on this show, right? So but they're two separate concepts. But I'm gonna talk about each of them and so like some uh basic positions that any person could take with regard to either agency or qualia. Um and there's actually parallels between them, so you might wonder. You know, maybe they come together for a reason. But, but before you get into that, uh -huh. just curious, do you, based on sort of what this show tells you, do you f fall on the side of the synths, the, the, the conscious, the quote unquote conscious synths, the awake synths, yeah. are they people? Um, do you personally, like, I am actually even more radical than that. I think that even the, the quote unquote unconscious ones they still, um, they're borderline, like, they, I, I think that they should have some dignity or some, yeah, that they, yeah, that they have some kind of more, maybe more primitive or, or whatever, but they have some kind of agency. They have, yeah, partial agency or primitive agency. or yeah. so, so, so the conscious ones, you, they are people to you, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bubs? Um, yeah, I do see them as being, I mean, sentient beings. And I think that's, that's enough for rights. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think like <laughs> the, the part that get the, for me gets fuzzy is like what you're asking, like, or what Shaheen brought up about the other ones that aren't awake yet. That are it's woke. like, oh yeah, they're not woke yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's like, they can be awake. Awoken, awakened, awoken. 
Uh-huh. Wow, awoken. what is that word? Woke. Um, yeah. Awoked. They awoken, they can be woked. <laughs> um, awoken. Um. So yeah, what does that mean? It's like, it, are you obligated to it, treat like, them as if they are future people? Yeah. Or like, like potential people? pro-choice versus pro-life. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of thing that we want to talk about, right? Like agency is not a binary thing, if you think about it. So who do we give, like within humans, who do we give agency to and who, do, who don't we give agency to? So for example, like a typical healthy adult usually will usually give them agency. But, you know, if someone is too senile and have too much brain degradation, then we might not give them agency or if someone is uh, has severe mental illness or addiction mm-hmm. we take away their agency when we commit them um, to an institution right so we tell them, you, you can't make your own yeah. decision anymore right we make decisions mm-hmm. for you for you and we or, see that with with what's his name with um with Odie and and george like that uh-huh. that's a super <laughs> interesting sort of one of the relationships to talk about like yeah. given what you're talking about because George sees Odie as a son and sees him as sort of uh, like not quite having all of the like he sees him as simple as like a child who needs yeah. to be like mm-hmm. taught and learned except the state at large sees George as someone with less agency because he is old and infirm and so they try to like exert their will over him by taking away Odie and giving him mm-hmm. you know yeah. nurse ratchet and so that's that's sort of an interesting <laughs> hierarchy to sort of to, to think about sorry right. I mean to interrupt. No, 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 that's perfect. Yeah. And so, or children, right? So children, we kind of, uh, you know, up to a certain age, we don't give them any agency. And then, you know, at some point we might give them like partial agency, you know. Um, and then, you know, a- animals, you know, uh, we, um, you know, again, I mean, pe- different people feel differently about this. And that's interesting, right? So the same way that different people feel differently about animals or children or whatever, in terms of whether we should or whether we should or shouldn't give them agency, the same thing is being, you know, demonstrated in this show uh, with sense, right? So, like, some people think, oh, this has enough of the functions or enough of the things that would make me say someone has agency or maybe right about there, you know? Um, and so I don't know how to feel, how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way that some people feel icky about, you know, um, killing animals and so on, or even restraining animals. So, um, anyway, can I go into the different yeah. positions? So, like, with respect to agency, so first of all, so the agency is the question of, again, do we, can we make choice? And this is usually, um, the, the the phrase you hear is free will, right? Um but what is what is that? What is free will? And so there are two ways you can look at this um, that um, are called incompatibilism and compatibilism. The idea of incompatibilism and compatibilism is that um, s- suppose that everything is determined like a program, um, like in the sense brain, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or in the human brain. Suppose the human brain were that way, right? Because a lot of people think that is how it is, right? Um, I, I think that it, like a human brain is also just a computer. Um, it's a complex computer. And so um, if, uh, assume that everything is just determined like a program. Um, 
is that compatible with giving it agency or not? That's basically the question. I mean, and so you're saying that if 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 it is a program, then that can make decisions by itself. But then the, does that mean that there is no free will? Because if everything was just going to follow a logical, like you know, you know, it goes down a flow chart, for example, right? Um, well, is there free right. will? So in that? exactly, that's exactly the question. The, the compatibilists would say no; those two things are co compatible with each other. It being mm -hmm. determined like a program is compatible with it being free will or what mm -hmm. I would rather call agency, right? So they would say it could have, it, there are a subset of determined actions, even though all the actions are determined, there's a subset of them that we call free one, the free ones. Um, and then the incompatibilist would say, no, but if it's completely determined, then it can't be uh, free and it can't be agency. And then, so you can split then if you're, if you're an incompatibilist, you can either believe that that humans have this thing, uh, this free will thing that's somehow sui generis, somehow unique, um, that philosophers often call libertarian free will. And this has nothing to do with the political libertarianism. <laughs> before before you guys send us angry fucking letters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, libertarian free will is that, like, this is somehow outside of the causes of nature, somehow outside of the causes of physics. Like, there's all the physical causes that are going in there, and then there's this other thing that kind of comes in and, and causes the action to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. And it itself is not caused by anything else. Uh, and that's somehow, that's yourself. Or that's the center of decision-making. And that's actually the, the intuitive way that most people think about choice. They think that there's like this self thing there on top of all the physical forces and all the electricity and chemical stuff that's going on in your brain. There's a self there that's finally like making the final, putting the final stamp on it and making it happen. Uh, and this self thing is somehow is determining things, but it's not determined by anything itself. Um, now, if you can sustain some sort of picture like that, that would be like the idea of libertarian free will. And if, of course, if you believe in souls, for example, that's easy to maintain, right? So if you think that, yeah, we have a body, but we also have a soul, then it's clear where the source of that libertarian free will is. It's in the soul, right? So the soul is making decisions, but it's not being determined by any physical forces. Okay. Okay. Um, so, but then, the, so that's one way to be an incompatibilist because you think that, look, if it's all just material stuff and it's all determined by a program, then it doesn't have any soul or whatever it is that has to give you the, the free will. So it can't have free will. Or the other way is, is if you then think that there is no free will. So you can be an incompatibilist and think that there is a free will or there is no free will. So that's, those are the two options that you can have. But either way, you think that they can't both exist together. Right. So um, you can think that, yes, everything is just material and it's just all programmed and therefore there is no free will. And we're all we, under the illusion that it exists. Um, <laughs> sometimes people call it heart determinism. Um, I think that's the one that I am, I guess. Yeah. So you think that, um, it, that, that we all think we're making choices, but it's all just an illusion. There's not it's not really happening. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a very it's a very complex process based on like everyone is different. Um, everyone has a different like makeup and experience and brain. So if you um, had but, all of the data points, every single one that yeah. factored in throughout ever, 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 you would be able to programmatically 
know Guess what is what gonna happen are, next yeah. but because exactly. we don't have the capacity to know that or yeah. process it or you know record it in any way then it it seems like free will yeah. yes but i think you i think you could get well no yeah but yeah i guess i think that it's and you have to like factor in like moods and like it's like a moving computer mm-hmm. and it's so like it's I, so yeah vast. it's just a very complex system with a lot of degrees yeah. of freedom i mean how can it not be that and a very chaotic <laughs> set of and, initial and this, conditions yeah yeah and this works into like what i'll talk about in our well actually um, <laughs> yeah i am a compatibilist i think that um it being determined like a program has nothing to do with it being free or agency um it, uh, so I belong to a tra- tradition that in- includes Socrates and uh, way to fucking name drop, dude, <laughs> and, and Immanuel Kant. So the idea, for example, with, with these two dudes was that um, those actions that are determined by reason are the ones that we call free. So all of your actions are determined by something, but the ones that are determined by reason, rather than just pure. In, impulse or desire or whatever those are the ones that we call free um and so that's that's it's an interesting one, concept <laughs> that's one way to look at it. so the idea is that look it's not supposed to be like not determined it's just that it's determined by the right sort of thing um because that's what allows us to then hold you accountable um if we thought that it was just like you know knee jerk and you had no control over it you didn't go through a reason to uh, kick me in the balls. So whatever, whatever but comes it was just outside of instinct. Like yeah. Whatever. Like, so like if you go to the doctor and they're like doing the hammer thing and like you kick the doctor in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> the, is the question is like, okay, did you do that? Did you like go through some reasoning in your head or like, oh, dude, it would be super funny if I kicked this guy in the balls. <laughs> and so if I move my leg in this, such a way that this happens, then that's accomplishes my goal so that's what i'm gonna do so your leg was gonna raise no matter what but it was up to you to like turn the trajectory because you wanted to kick him in the balls (laughs) like that that no no maybe it wasn't gonna raise at all you just decided you went through that reasoning and you did that or was it that it was just like a literal knee jerk meaning like you really couldn't there was no reasoning happening in your head it was just it just happened through your nerves right um, so they're both determined in, in this view in compatibilism, but one is the one that we hold you accountable for. And the other one is one that, you know, it's just cruel to hold you accountable for something like that. Um, right. So anyway, so that's, that's, uh, so the ones that I want to remember is Bob's view, which is hard determinism and compatibilism which is i'm the view i'm going to probably defend most of the time which is so hard determinism says that there is no free will it's all an illusion even humans don't have it um, no that's the one i believe that's what yeah. i right meant. right yeah. hard determinism that's that's both and the compatibilism is which i i think i'm going to defend is the idea that everything is determined but there's a subset of them that we call the free actions um, now, why am I not going to refer to libertarian free will from now on is because I think if you believe in libertarian free will, then everything, every, all the questions in the show will be kind of trivial, right? Because you think that, well, humans have it for whatever reason, but you have no reason to think that this robot has it, um, mm-hmm. right? For example, if you believe in souls, then you think, well, humans have been bestowed with this thing up on top of their body, 
that gives them this free will and this this synth this robot doesn't have that so or you haven't so you have no reason to think that it does so then the other questions would be easy right like mm-hmm. you can rape it you can do whatever like it's not it's not a person like the way you know the way joe joe, joe talks about it right <laughs> is it joe the guy the dad guy is joe right oh yeah the, da- the dad is also joe oh okay yeah yeah no that's the joe i was referring to sorry not me. <laughs> I don't know. Is that is that what you, where where do you fall in this, Joe? Um, it's hard. I I think, I think for me it is once once it passes the Turing test, I think it becomes very difficult to then deny something. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can fool me into thinking that you are a conscious being, and if we assume that the statement of this being saying, I believe I am a conscious being, in is is true. Like, if, if we give them the benefit of the doubt saying, I am conscious, mm-hmm. you know, and that is not a lie, then I kind of feel like, well, all right, then who am I to, you know, who am I to dictate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what you are and Sounds especially like- especially if it's convincing to me like especially mm-hmm. if it is something that you know can be argued for mm-hmm. sounds like you're a functionalist which brings me to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually a form of compatibilism what you just described it sounds like you believe that look it's okay if it's program or whatever but if it can do what the thing that makes me say a human is conscious well it's it's that we don't have enough information about the brain itself to be able to say exactly like we we don't know enough about the brain to be able to 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 definitively say exactly how it works and how deep it goes and all that so you know i kind of i'm kind of willing to you know put my hands up and say you drive you know like yeah <laughs> yeah so so those are all different positions you can take with respect to agency and um, wait so which one now- am i Oh, you're. You, I think you're some kind of compatibilist like me. But what's a function? You said functionalist. Functionalist, yeah. So this is something that comes. So with respect to qualia, with respect to the feeling thing, right? The mm-hmm. the quality of experience, the the light that goes on your head when the guy, you know, the guy the, in the mines, for example, in in is that the season three? Yeah, where he's like. He suddenly, it's like he's seeing the mines for the first time, mm-hmm. the the little synth. Um, so, or is that Esther? Whatever. What's his name? Hester? Um, Hester. Hester was already awake, That's though. That's bitch. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Correct usage of bitch. <laughs> So that's called qualia, and you can. There are positions you can take with respect to that that kind of mirror the positions that I just talked about with respect to agency. So, qualia is again this feeling that you have in your head. The question is, what is this? Uh, is it just the same as just the, your brain activity? That's one way to think about it. There is nothing really on top of that, or is there something on top of that? And so, um, if you think that there are two types of things, they're not really the same kind of thing then you're a uh, dualist. So again, this would be like someone, if you believe in a soul, then you think that there are really two types of substances of things there. So this goes well with libertarian free will. If you think that there's there's one, then you'd be a monist for, uh, for obvious reasons. And so then if you're a monist, then what are your options? You can either think that, if you think the mind and the body are one, they're the same type of thing, 
then you either think it's all made of mind or you think it's all made of body or matter, right? <laughs> and so the view that it's all made of mind is called idealism. I'm not going to discuss it because I don't think anyone believes it, um, right? Do you guys don't believe that everything is made of ideas? Like there's no material world. Wait, what? <laughs> Do you believe that there is a material world outside of your ideas? Uh, yes. Okay. Then I feel like this is a trap. <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. Are you asking if we live in the matrix or not? I'm confused. Well, yeah. Idealism is the view that there's no material reality. It's just all made of ideas. So, for example, the, the British philosopher Berkeley believed that it's all in God's ideas, God's minds, God's mind. Well, I wouldn't call it God's mind, but I do think that we exist and we don't exist, and that's how we exist. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's the only way, it, it's no the only for... <laughs> thing that makes sense, because how in the universe can something be? It doesn't make sense. I think we're like... A spark of ones and zeros where we exist and we don't, and it's just the possibility of it negated by, like, the non-existence of it that, like, we somehow exist, but we also – we completely don't exist, and that's how it works. Does that, I, don't, I don't know if that I makes sense I feel like I should loud. stop. I shouldn't, like, saying that – I can't top that. So. <laughs> <laughs> just pack it up. Podcast is over. Everyone go home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire. Yeah, who did you meet, Joe? You can maybe bring her – Bring bring other things. Joe on. No, it'll just be the Bubs podcast being like, you know, I don't know if this is real or not, but uh <laughs> wait, so you're saying no, it is and it isn't. So that we're in a simulation or both possible like are is no. our existence Schrodinger's cat? Like Yes, in a way, but it's more Schrodinger's cat. Um <laughs> Oh my god. It, it's um uh, Okay, so like you know how you can have like um Negative one plus one equals zero, correct? Okay. So it's a, it's an equation basically of nothing, but it's an equation, right? Okay. Like it, the equation exists, but it only exists because you, you make one a negative and one a positive, but it equals zero. So in order for that to exist, like, so it's kind of like our existence is negative one plus one. And, and it's just kind of a, and it's like a binary <laughs> snowball of that possibility that we're living. But who in. is deciding this possibility? Like something Nobody. has that's, to process it. No, no, no. That's that's it, though. It's just like so. It's zero, and then one, and then I don't know what the next one is. One, one, <laughs> um, zero, one, one. <laughs> like so, it's just like. It, it it just kind of like the uh, it's so hard to explain. It makes a lot of sense in my head. Um, <laughs> and I never smoke. I, I just want to know. Just put that. Just these put are that sober out. thoughts. So okay. Well, now that you've broken both of our brains, what else, Shaheen? So okay. So basically, the only views that we're really going to seriously consider on this podcast are views that think that it's all made of matter. Okay. So, because again, if you believe Sorry, in a soul, <laughs> if you believe carbon, in a soul, the questions are based. easy. Well, I don't really know what an idealist would say about any of this, but you can maybe you can tell me if you're. An, I I don't know if you, what you I, said is. I idealism. don't know if I'm I'm an idealist. I I don't like this. Is like something I just I think about a lot from time to time. Yeah. 
Um, so, and so I don't have per like the perfect terminology, but maybe that's what I am. But I, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's like a god directing it or whatever. Um, although who makes the rules? I guess that's the question. Anyway, so I was going to say that <laughs> the only position that we're really going to seriously consider is physicalism or materialism, which says that really, whether it's a synth or a human, it's all, it's all made of just material stuff, right? Um, and whatever this consciousness thing or agency thing or qualia, uh, this, this feeling thing, whatever it is, is coming about as a result of the material stuff. Now, you can be someone who thinks that it's there is no... Um, you know, the, the, this um, talk of, you know, the mental state of the person really should be reduced to talk of the brain states. Uh, or you might think that, no, there's uh, utility to talking about it on a higher level. Uh, and so this is re usually this divided in terms of like, are you reductivist? Are you going to reduce it to the brain? Or are you going to say, even though it's really... Uh, you know, metaphysically, it's nothing but the brain, but there's mm -hmm. there's utility in describing its behavior in, in higher terms that don't describe it at the brain level or at the uh, neurological level. So that's the difference between a reductivist and a non-reductivist. And a non-reductivist, one major type that you can be a non-reductivist is functionalist. So you think that, look, I don't really care what it's made of. I, I care about what function it, it can uh, serve or, or what play so for example like an octopus the brain of an octopus evolved completely separately from um, uh, mammalian brain um, and it, from a separate evolutionary lineage um, and so real there's not like a whole lot of like similarity in terms of the hardware of it but we still think that the octopus does certain things that we recognize as as you know, behaviors like it gets angry, it it it, it gets afraid. Or, the octopus you know. that's so cute, <laughs> right? Um, and so, how do we know that? Because we see the function of the behavior. This is the idea of the functionalist: is that you, the function of the behavior, for example, uh, pain or whatever, is that you detect danger and you avoid it, right? So it, it reports surface surface damage to you or whatever, and uh, reports danger to you, and you you run away or Anger, what is the function of anger? Is like it gives you, uh, I don't know, more power to fight or whatever. Like it's a fight or flight response. So we see these functions that it, that it has that kind of similar to us, or like we see it like get attached or, or whatever, you know. Um, so we don't really care what the, what the hardware is. One of the um, most famous contemporary functionalists, he, he died a few years ago, uh, Hilary Putnam. He said that our brains could have been made of cheese and it wouldn't have mattered. Um, <laughs> so his idea was like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Cheese. I don't care what the um, material substrate of it is, as long as it can play this role. So this is kind of similar to what you were saying, Joe, right? Like that if, if it's, I don't care if it's made of cheese or whatever, if it can pass the Turing test, meaning if it can uh, fake being a human, then it is a human. That's all, you know, being able to fake being a human is being a human, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the idea of functionalism. And that's some, that's the one that I'm most sympathetic to. Um, so that's why I feel like, look, Anita, okay, it doesn't do all of the things that a human does, but it does a lot of them. And so it, 
has a lot of the same functions and I think you should give it some credit for being, it has some presence, has some agency or something. Like, I don't care that it's programmed. I don't care that what it's made of is plastic and metal. The point is that it's doing these things that I would normally call like, you know, um, whatever, like taking care of someone or caring for someone. Or, well, uh, they get into that a little bit with uh, the storyline. I can't remember the name of the synth who got captured. Um, I'm bad about that. Uh, the one who got captured by like and like took it taken into the lab and they mm-hmm. kind of Fred. Fred. Fred, yeah. Um, and I forgot about him and I felt so bad. Me too. When I was rewatching one and two. I was like, oh my God, there was another one. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think they kind of like wrote him off of the show, like, yeah, like put him on of, ice. Yeah. He, he, kind of he got wellsed. But yeah. it, he totally got wellsed. <laughs> um, but then, but. I mean, but with, with Wales, we knew what happened. And with, with this guy, Fred, he's just kind even, of yeah. on ice. Um, yeah. But like, there was the moment where he's laying, you know, on the slab and they're hooked up to his brain and you know reading it and stuff um and he's naked yeah or i love that scene the guy's like put something on him yeah he's like put something on him for pity's sake which is super interesting because this guy is like determined to find these conscious synths and even he affords yeah fred some dignity dignity. i let's let's be real he was threatened by his dick size (laughs) i mean obviously like if you if you had to design synthetics like you know yeah give him give him a little something something um is that is that good with your philosophy primer can we get into actual the four terms if if it's okay i summarize the four terms i want us to kind of remember is the heart determinism which is bob's position which is free will is an illusion and then compatibilism, which seems like is Joe and I's position. And that goes along with functionalism. So that's the third, the second and the third term. That's the idea that like, yeah, it's all programmed, sure. But there's still some of it is what we call being a human or being free or whatever, right? And then reductivism is the idea that, well, I guess this goes with Bob's uh, hard determinism, which is the idea that it's all just the brain. And therefore, there's no other better level at which to describe it. Okay, so those are the terms that I'm going to kind of throw around from now on. And okay. you can see the dif- different characters defending different versions of these views, so I'm going to reference them. Like, Joe is being a reductivist here or whatever. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for this, uh, this, this Cliff's Notes. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> at this, you know, 30-minute Cliff's Notes that hopefully... Um, it's a TED Talk. It's a TED Talk. It was nice. Sorry. Um, no, no, it was, super, it was super interesting, and I think, I think it'll give yeah. us, like, a lot of context to sort of talk about these, um, yeah. these storylines. It's good to know where everyone stands, too. We'll see so we can get into fights yeah. about it and call people in their shit. <laughs> um, so... It was it, these these first ep- definitely these first two episodes. They kind of do um, a very interesting way of isolating the stories. Um, so you have Joe, Laura, the kids, and Anita, and then we also you know, and they they kind of aren't interacting with anyone else. They are in the present time, and then we have flashbacks and kind of concurrent time. You know, as we get into episode two with Leo, I'm calling it Leo and Friends um, slash uh, the guy who's trying to capture them. Um, so Leo and Friends in the flashbacks would be Leo, um, Fred. Max, Anita, or sorry, well, she wouldn't be Anita then, um, but we'll call her Anita for now. Um, Niska and, uh, is that everyone? No. Yeah, that is everyone. I think so. Yeah, that, that's all of them. And then we kind of find out later, um, who, uh, 
who Karen is, but that's a separate issue. Um, we've got George and Odie, which is, uh, you know, the old guy who I guess used to work in the synth stuff. And we're going to find out more about him and his sort of slowly defective um, synth slash surrogate son. Uh, and then we also have Pete and Karen and slash Pete's wife and, and her love of uh, her synth. Um, though we didn't, I mean, can you blame her? I mean... <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Um, is there is there a particular uh, little little hub that you guys want to start with, or should we just start with the big family at first? I guess we start with the family. Okay, or no. Let's. Why don't we do George yeah. and Odie? You want to do George and Odie? Because I think we all have the least to say. Well, between that okay. and um, do it quick, move on. <laughs> the hot the hot synth therapist. Oh, I with those are the two that are the smallest. Yeah, yeah. We can we can do yeah. that. Um, so with George and Odie, um, it's just sad. Like that was just such a sad storyline because you have this old guy who like. Is it sadder that if it was like, an old guy and a child with like mental. Mental. Like, like, like who was like slow or something. Yeah. Um, like I really, think. Like, I don't know. You know no, I think. challenged child. I think. I felt like we got up hard. I, I think in some ways this is a little bit sadder because <laughs> because Odie used to be fully functional. Yeah. Like o, like there's that scene where he's trying to get Odie to remember, you know, stuff that okay. happened with, with his ex-wife. So what if it was a child that like contracted some disease and now is uh, cognitively impaired. Like brain syphilis? I mean, and what's what's sort of the difference? I think that that's kind of getting into it because Yeah, that's George, my question is that do you think this is sadder? Because some, you know, you might say it's sad in in um, in part because this guy is so alone that he's, mm -hmm. you know, taking care of a robot. No, or it's is sad it like because you feel what he feels? Yeah, yeah is it that because we recognize his feelings that we yeah. think it's sad, or is it because we uh, kind of pity his feelings that we think it's sad? No, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I don't find it sad because he is. I don't find it sad that he has made this connection with Odie. I find it sad that he loves Odie and yeah. Odie is breaking down and he knows yeah. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think in that case, it could be a child or it could be Odie. I think, yeah, yeah like both of them are equally <laughs> sort of. But it, yes, but it is complicated by the fact that one of Odie's um, things that he did for him was that he remembered memories of his wife. Mm -hmm. And he has memory problems. So Odie is also serving this purpose of connecting him to his memories that he doesn't have anymore. Yeah. But, like, I think the, the whole point to me, it seemed, is that despite the fact that Odie can't remember anymore, um, where he, he kind of loses some of his memories, he still cares... The, the guy still cares for him. And I think that's like the moment where I was like, oh, like it is, it's more than just, just the purpose that he serves. So yeah. It was just, I mean, I, I think, I think that this storyline in particular, having been introduced within the first episode, um, is a super interesting sort of premonition of something that we're going to see later on with more people sort of coming to the side that George is on. Like Laura, for example, you know, in this in these first few episodes, like she mm -hmm. fucking hates Anita. She is so threatened by her. <laughs> and yet you have somebody like George who has developed this 
relationship and has love for what is essentially, you know, a somewhat broken and malfunctioning robot, which actually I'd kind of wonder exactly how this degradation happens. Because mm-hmm. I think Odie's only supposed to be like six years old or something. And so I'd kind of like I unearthed a computer out of the back of my closet that was that's like been sitting back there for six years and fired it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after a little bit of futzing around, it's, you know, a perfectly serviceable machine. <laughs> and so I kind of wonder like what. You don't feel like, God, how did, how did I ever work with this laptop? And, <laughs> open one of those? No, I mean, to be fair, it had some pretty good specs when I when I retired it. But <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I wonder what the degradation within sort of the hardware that's happening with Odie. Well, but yeah, they I wonder say, if, they sorry. said it like the, the, the lady, the, the caseworker that comes, she's like, Oh, he's six years old. Like how have yeah. you not upgraded? So I guess like in the world of synths, it's a long time. And like, well, I kind of yeah. it reminds me of phones. Like every year it's like your phone is outdated. Yeah, um, but like the phone still works. Of, it's yes. in part planned obsolescence. It's in part planned obsolescence because we know that um, uh, what's his name, the original, the person who designed the original five. Um, what's his name? Shit! What is his name? Um, uh, <laughs> hold on, I'm, Dad. Elster. 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 We know that Elster um, designed these the the original five so that they last much longer because like Mia is fourteen. Mm-hmm. And she's still fully functional. And they are shocked at that when they find out. They're like, how can she be 14? Like, they're not supposed to last that long. So it's mm. part, in part, is because they don't design mm. them to last that long because they get updated. You want to make more money. Yeah, I mean, you they get updated anyway. You I mean, could update them. Yeah, right? planned obsolescence is not necessarily an evil thing. You know, it could. But anyway, so. Um, and. But then also, like, I don't know, like, if it has, like, a solid state drive. They kind of degrade over time, don't they? Uh, I don't think SSDs. I think I think um, magnetic drives do, because the data beca- can become corrupted and then. But whatever, like separate issue. This yeah. is sad. George and Odie <laughs> well, is actually. fucking sad. Well, <laughs> yeah. actually, George and Odie are are sad. They should have yeah. talked about battery stuff. I mean, they do talk a lot about battery stuff, but they don't talk about battery degradation because that's still an issue that hasn't been solved. Um, yeah, but it wasn't like- surprising to me overall that like an electronic device. Oh, Bubs, what is your what is your answer to? I, I see a note here, Shaheen, about Vera touches George without permission. Oh yeah, so yeah, this was interesting. So there is a scene where Vera touches George without George giving him permission. He even mentions that, but which but- is very interesting because that means the authors, the writers, were not. This is not a mistake. Then, they were no, aware of this. It's not a mistake. He is not yeah. the primary user. He's not the primary. Exactly. She mentioned that. Like, she said, you're not my primary user. Exactly. Like, so he has less rights of over his own agency with respect to these synthetics. But th- this is called the Asimov block. They're not supposed to be, be able to touch any human being without permission. No, harm. Unless it's to save the harm. human being's life. Exactly. And so and this I is think to it's, save their life. And this was not a situation in which his life was in danger. But she, no, but it, it, you could justify that it is, though. It's really far-fetched that, like, oh, him standing outside in the, in the yard, in the backyard is like... But she's die. not harming he's him. That, the Asimov block is about harming. She's not harming him. She's doing her job as directed by her primary user, which is his either the, what was what did she say the caseworker or the medical group? 
So like the government. But yes. no, yeah. So I still I, think no, they're not supposed to be able to touch a human being. Yes, they can. But yes, they can. No. They're not supposed because to. They can't harm them. They can't hurt them. They can't and they harm can't touch them. It's they like cannot touch a child under twelve without their parents' permission. Mm, yeah, no, I mean this is mentioned in the show that like and that's why George says, like, I didn't give you permission because, like, they're not supposed to. But anyway. We'll have to so, we'll have to rewatch and get into it. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I remember it. Um, was there anything else that we want to talk about with sad George and Odie? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's everything. And uh, another short thing. Pete and Karen and Pete's wife and yeah, Pete's I wife's hot therapist. Yeah, I nothing on this. I didn't write any notes, but I actually like these uh, little bits. I like, especially Kay. Uh, I think she's, it's... She's sad and sexy. <laughs> I think it's super interesting. You want to carry somebody to the bathroom? <laughs> about how we see, like, like especially with Pete and especially with Laura um, and Maddie, how threatened they are. In different ways. Like, Pete is sexually threatened by this, like, human vibrator. <laughs> and, you know, Laura is threatened as a mother because she thinks that she, you know, she's already feeling She's like supposed she, to have it all. She's supposed to have it all. She works. She feeling. has a family, blah, blah, blah. Like, her littlest girl likes Anita better. Her, you know, her eldest, her eldest daughter is being an eldest daughter. Like, you know, she is threatened um, as this role of motherhood. And then, um, who was the other one that I mentioned? Um, Pete, Pete's wife. Oh, and Maddie, you know, brings up the point, and we'll we'll get into this about how, um, you know, there there is not a future for her generation in a lot of ways. There is not opportunity. It doesn't matter what you're interested in or want to do. There are certain professions that are now just taken over by synths because they can do it better. Can't you just hear the baby boomers being like, why can't you get a job? Right? And you're like, uh, because you invented a thing that made my jobs obsolete. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, this is another assumption that the, under which the show operates, which is the prediction that automation or AI will cause mass unemployment will become true. Which I don't, I think under, under a well-governed government, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think, like, greed makes it possible that it would go in that direction. Um, but if you think about it, like, the government owning several androids that would do all these jobs that people don't want to do, that would keep, like, parks clean, that would, um, I don't, I, I don't know, do all these jobs, and they don't have to pay them. You know, so it's like a great investment from like a country stand, and so what that the there's more time do, for. Would do. Well, they can do other stuff, but what you know, but like, that's they what, don't have okay, to. Okay, so then so you're if saying using then Android, it, has, it has nothing to do with the government. This is what happened in every industrial revolution: was yes, lots of jobs were destroyed, but other jobs were created. And replace them. I just right. wonder well, what the question sure. is: Is this one going to be different? Sure, but like it's like you, if androids are doing all these jobs, it's almost like you don't have to replace. You don't have to replace jobs. Sure, there's going to be some new things, but if all these people are doing something, and and the government government is ge is generating this work and etc., and it's not charging anybody. Like it's it's. Ugh, I'm having a really hard time explaining this, but um, if 
if it brings the citizens into this as if they are stakeholders in this android workforce and instead they can benefit this like they can go to an android doctor and stuff like that they could pursue other things their healthcare is taken care of. Their housing is taken right, care of. Right, but what would they pursue? Like, that's the problem is, you know. Yeah, no, well, it's a problem, but it's also like, it's, it's like. I mean, there's, there's, they there's will two figure arguments. It out. They will dig their ant There, there ant There's tunnel. two arguments because the show also makes the argument of these synths allow humans to be human because no longer are you working, you know, in a sweatshop. Like that sort of repetitive labor, low skilled stuff, you know, can go elsewhere. And so I think that the original, the, the usual argument is, yeah, robots will replace low skill workers. Fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need, uh, you know, if there's a robot that can flip a burger and take your order and send it out, then mm-hmm. that replaces low skill workers. But I think that the argument that Maddie especially is making and, in, you know, to some degrees, um, you know, Pete, Pete's resentment against against sexy sexy robot therapist mm-hmm. um, is that the technology has gotten so advanced that that the that the careers that were otherwise not ca- not capable of being done programmatically suddenly there is that technology there is that AI and so you could have a doctor mm-hmm. you could have something that is super high skilled and so once the low skilled and the high skilled go. It, mm-hmm. it, then what do you have to do? And I think that, you know, then what? You just kind of get into, like, universal basic income. Or in Joe's case, he becomes a fucking grocer. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in, in season three. And so I, I can see I can see where both sides of it come from. Because on the one yeah. hand, yeah, like, use, use these synthetics to get people out of sweatshops, to get them out of these miserable working conditions. But at the same time, it's like, well... To Maddie's point, what's the point of her going to college? What's the point of her doing anything, you know, when so many of these doors now are closing because we're approaching this singularity in technology? I guess, like, yeah, and I guess what I want to say, like, yes, I think it in, especially in the transitionary phase between these these instances of, like, you know, human workforce versus robot workforce, it does feel scary to, like, think that my job is going to be taken over by a robot. But it's like, um, are robots going to create television shows? I mean, that's, I mean, the, that's the thing. Me, like, it would probably be the creative things that people would still get to do, but there's still a limit to the number of people who are going to get to do that. Yes. So there's so there's that. But then it's just like, so if you think that these creative pursuits are going to continue, um, there's still going to be stuff that, like, I, I just, like, I don't think they're – people will be out of jobs. I think that it just, it changes, like I, I agree with Shaheen in terms of it changes the landscape of what people are doing. And I do think like for the way that I envision it, maybe it's idealistic is that, um, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't lack food. We would have people running these field or people, I mean, robots, people, robots, whatever. <laughs> yeah, one possibility is that like Question food mark? and clothes and everything will be yeah. free. I think you um, it gets into then, universal like, basic income. Like that's and kind then, of like, Yeah, but solution. you can also have like incentives of course, yeah. built on well, top of have, it. You have, you like, all have if a you do stake in the robot work, you get more workforce. and so on. I, I mean, um, this is something that The Expanse talked about, you know, where you saw people who there are only so many jobs and you might not get picked for a job, in which case you get the bare minimum and... That's your life. Well, but I think about like, so yes, the bare minimum, and that sounds like the worst thing ever, but we look at Europe where um, schooling is covered. There's a universal healthcare system. Um, So 
people aren't aren't like shamed by saying like oh, I'm a gardener. People aren't shamed by saying like oh I'm a plumber, which they are in in the U.S. And the, oh that's what you were weird. You know, it's like the people there, they don't they don't have to feel shamed because their kids are going to go to college. Their kids are going to get medical help when they need it. Um, but then what are they going to do? What do you mean? Like, what do they do with their lives? It's <laughs> like the Louis C.K. bit is like, what do I do? <laughs> Whatever they want. <laughs> but I mean, that's the um, thing. Like, is it is is the eventual turnout of this prior to the human prior to the sense becoming conscious and deciding we don't fucking want to do that shit? Like, assuming that none of them are conscious, then is it just that humans, with ex- with some exceptions, just kind of become free to pers- pursue leisure? I think they get they become free to live, and I, so I agree with that perspective of like, you know, you're not you're not working three jobs just to like put food on the table. Sure, but then what? Then what do you do? Well, but but you're it's like almost like you're saying it's better to like work three. No, jobs, I'm not jobs saying that at all. Work. I'm just wondering in this world what happens. Yeah, what happens? No, I'm next? just saying. I'm just saying like let's keep in perspective that's what some people have to do in the world we live in now versus the world of androids like oh we have food on the table so like i mean the possibilities are endless and like there's still going to be jobs so if you talk about like the medical field you have obviously i would rather have an android perform surgery on me um i would rather have an android compile my data but like when it comes down to it it, it's like so you don't want creepy bedside manner no, 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 no. It's like, it's kind of like, so there's, um, oh, what's the website? Fuck. There's a website that like, um, gr- uh, crowdsources human eyeballs, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Crap, what, I, I'm, I'm so upset that I can't think of I can't remember the name of it. It's for blind people out. to be able to like reach out and be like, I need someone seeing oh. to tell me what I, what, what I'm looking oh, at. That's not what I'm talking oh. about, but that's a great example. Oh. Um, and so there's a website that, so for example, you'll look at a bunch of images from like the Saharan desert. And so you'll say, oh, there's a, there's a, um, giraffe there. There's a zebra there. So you'll mark like what animals you'll see basically. So what you're doing is the job that like a computer doesn't always do accurately. Um, and you're just basically helping it count the animals. And so, like, you need human eyes sometimes to do certain things because as much as you can, like, program, like, a robot, it's there, – there's, like, an extent to, like – and I guess we're talking about the extent where they could do everything that we do. But, like, are they always going to do that? And this, again, goes to my well, actually. Um, and so there also is, like, this thing. So they um, – I am going to explain this probably completely wrong, but just as an example. So they'll send like laser light out into the solar system to try to look at galaxies and planets far away. And so one of the ways they try to determine if there's planets out there is they'll try to see like this, this sun that they can see in this galaxy far away. Obviously, obviously it has like, it probably has things orbiting around them, but they don't know. They don't know how many. But they get data where that um, that flash of light from this faraway star is interrupted. And so those that data is really like it's a very complex data that a, a robot such a computer cannot always accurately um, flag. So they have humans looking at these graphs. Right. 
and like isolating. Oh, there's a, a weird dip here that seems unnatural. There's a weird dip here. That's, so like they're marking this data so that they can hopefully um, find planets in these faraway galaxies. Uh, and so again, this is like a job that like a like a a computer is not able to do that humans are brought in for. And so there's I'm I'm like there's probably tons of these kinds of jobs that exist and will always exist. Um, but what do you what do you do if you are a person, a human? Uh, look, wait, Joe. If wait, you no, no, no. Ha- I'm wait, someone... I, have, I have one last question, and then and then we can. Okay. What do you do <laughs> if you are a person who? Let's say in in a normal world or whatever, like the most mm-hmm. you were ever going to be capable of doing is one of those menial tasks. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do yeah. if that was your glass ceiling? Because for whatever reason, you know, mental illness, addiction, um, you know, depression, whatever it is that 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 keeps you sort of, you know, at this lower level, no shame in it. Mm-hmm. But like, what do you do if... All of those opportunities yeah. are are taken away from you. That is one of one sort of disaster scenarios that um, the sort of higher level, higher skilled jobs get replaced, but the uh, lower skilled jobs don't. And um, some people are just not constituted to do the higher skilled jobs uh, for whatever reason. So they will just not have anything to do. Well, but, um, but like define not anything to do. Yeah, but but like, can they someone have like, like a you know, Bob's book? perspective is look. Can they like pl- go to the community center and play board games with other like-minded folks? Right. Uh, can that's they... fine. You can do that. I'm just saying, is anyone going to pay them to do that? But but they're going to have like a universal income. Okay. But so you that's don't know condition. what people. You yeah. don't know what people will get paid to do. That's the point. Is that. If in yeah, but like in an Android workforce where they're doing all the work that's generating GDP, you don't have to, you know, like this is a you you as a citizen have a share in the um, productivity that the Android workforce. But what if you generates. want to work? If you want to work, then you can look for jobs. You can look for whatever is available, but you're never going to be in a in a place where. You have to find a job in order to just exist as a human. Sure, but that's not the only problem. Like, if you look at this like, show, this there is are like people first world problem or like zero world problems. Like, where we're we're like like again, judge like the world we live in now to this hypothetical world where no, the but worst people... thing that you're dealing with is like, oh, I can't have a job. Like, I just like have to go play board games at the community center. But Mer- that's not like, trivial. <laughs> Bubs, because um, it's not just uh, it, about money. People want to have losing, a purpose. People want to have something to do. You're losing sight of like people who are starving to death or freezing outside, or you know, all, like I don't think to them <laughs> that this is trivial. Um, but this has nothing to do like whether or not automation happens. Um, we have programs to take care of those people, and you can argue that we should supposedly like, expand them or whatever. But uh, uh, whether... I, I I live in New York City. How many mentally ill people that are homeless, sleeping on the streets in the middle of winter, do I see right. every day? I right. honestly but they're not all count. they're all they're like they're they're rotating because they're not accumulating, so they're being taken care of. But yes, at any given time, there are some people who are homeless. Um, that's kind of inevitable when you have like 12 million people. But anyway, my Not point in is a that... in a world where everyone has a universal income. 
And it's not about income, Bubs. The people, the per- person who's on the street is not because they don't have money. They have much other, much deeper issues that causes them to be there. It's not, you can give them as much money as they, you want. It's not going to solve their problem. That's, no, that's, it's, it's, it's a complicated problem. <laughs> let's, let's talk about. Uh, but my point was going to be like, like my answer to Joe is, uh, in 1900, 40% of the population were farmers. And by 1940s, it was like 15%. Today, right. it's like 2%. Right. So if in 1900, someone asks you, what are all these people going to do? You wouldn't be able to say, well, they're going to design apps. And <laughs> they're going to teach yoga. And like, you know, these things didn't even exist. So um, how are you going to answer that question? So now when you ask, what are people going to do? We just don't yeah, know the so answer is, to that? Yeah. Whatever I, I is new thing is going to exist that we can't even fathom. I just, I mean, possibly, though, I, I do think that there's going to be a point at which, like, well, whatever, whatever. Let's talk about, let's, are, are we done with, with uh, sad, sad Pete? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> we done sad Pete and, and his wife and his sexy robot who makes sandwiches. Yeah. Um, all right. So sexy. Yeah, so sexy. Um, since we've already sort of touched on it a little bit, uh, let's talk about um, Joe and Laura and the kids and Anita, since they're kind of the real big core mm-hmm. of of the story, because they're the ones that we really get an introduction to the sense, like through Anita. Um, yeah. All right. Um, so Joe, Laura, the kids and Anita and was was Laura lying when she said that she had to stay? Late at work? Like, she seemed like she was in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, they said she's a lawyer, and they said the case ran over, which... So she was off-site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it means, like, they had another day of court. She had to stay for another day or something. And feeling That's like a bad mom, and Joe buys a, a sexy lady robot. But I, yeah, I, I appreciate that he didn't choose her. Like she just happened to be sexy, <laughs> because that would have been creepy. I, that I mean, I know where the story goes, but like, I feel like that would have been worse <laughs> because he's yeah. kind of like. I mean, sort well, of like the you worst also have Toby. The entire story, apart from Hester. <laughs> well, but Toby is like a teenage boy. Like I know, like his face when they brought home Anita was just like perfect. <laughs> Insta boner. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it was kind of, I, is it like, what is it, like weird science or whatever? Um, I wonder if that was like a slight nod to that. <laughs> Maybe. Which is, to be fair, an 80s movie, but whatever, we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> but um, I, we, we had some really interesting lines, um, especially, uh, like, we, we basically got each family member's sort of range of reaction. Like, on the one hand, we have Laura, who's threatened by her and hates her. Joe is sort of optimistic. Toby mm-hmm. is horny. Maddie is sort of resentful um, in a different way than Laura is. And Sophie is like all about Anita. Um, You know, she just immediately takes to her, which I think is super interesting because she's the youngest one. Um, Mm -hmm. But at breakfast the next day when, when, when Anita had like set out the whole table and stuff like that. And, and Maddie starts bitching about which sugar gets brought or what brought to the table or whatever. And Laura is the one who said she's not a slave. And then Maddie said, that's yeah. exactly what she is, which gets mm-hmm. into kind of what you were talking about, Shaheen, with, um, you know, yeah. she's human enough to, to be considered yeah. human. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is something that you see a lot with people who supposedly don't believe that these robots have these synths have any uh, agency or anything. They still sometimes can't bring themselves to do certain things because it just feels too close, you know. I mean, that's kind of. That's, I'm sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say that's to me that's kind of an argument uh in favor of the functionalist, which is look, that's how you recognize something as being conscious is by its behavior, by the functions that it plays. And so if it does enough of those things, you know, kind of like your cat, you know. Is like it my cat does like does does things I can recognize. Is it that she looks like a person? Is that why? Like if she looked like, you know, a beep boop robot, like made out of actual metal, like would we still be having this discussion? I mean, later we'll see there's this thing that doesn't look like anything. It's just the code, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that yes, because like so uh, what I was gonna say is that like when I program my phone to like set an alarm, like I'll do the voice activation, I'll be like, I'm not gonna say it. Well, no, I'll say it quietly. Hey, Google. <laughs> my phone doesn't do it. Oh, no, it did it. It heard me. Shh, stop. Um, I know. I have I have one my... in my office, too, so I'm not going to, like, <laughs> pretend to joke around because she'll start talking back to me. Right? So I'll say, like, I'll say that. And I'll say, like, set the timer for 20 minutes. And, and she goes, okay, the timer is set for 20 minutes. And I'm always like, great, thanks. <laughs> like, automatically, I say, like, great, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. like, I find that I am, that like, we have a Google Home. And, yeah, you find that you are weirdly polite to it. It, it, you can't help it, and especially Did like when capital chick. Did you guys see that video chick, that I sent? Fine, or not? Which one? The, um, this, the, the Scottish one. No, I didn't see the Scottish I don't one. Remember the Scottish? The Scottish one, one asked, asking Alexa to play a, a song, and Alexa can't understand what she's saying oh. until she like she tries a million times and she gets mad and yells at it and she's like, "Okay, okay, I'll be polite." I'll be- <laughs> <laughs> dude it doesn't matter and so finally she like switches to what she thinks is a british accent and alexa gets it and then she gets so upset she's like you hate scottish people (laughs) (laughs) but it's the creators that hate scottish people (laughs) but 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 then we also had this line from laura sorry i wrote down like a lot of a lot of lines no, we, we we have this other line from Laura that said, you're just a stupid machine, aren't you? And Anita just goes, yes, Laura. And like, <laughs> that was just so, like. Honestly, that's the series line. Like yeah. that is, it's perfect. It should, she should have said, machine, yes. Stupid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I also like the way that they have Anita say, um, or, you know, any of any of the synths saying, um, you know, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question, which actually reminded me a lot of Westworld, which was, uh, you know, it doesn't look like anything to me. Um, those two lines to me kind of are, are, are super similar, except, and I'm, I, I've said this before, humans is, a, is telling a better synth show. Oh, way better. Like, oh, way better. Way be- like it doesn't. Westworld is a masturbatory emission. Like I'm still going to watch Westworld. I'm entertained by it, but it's not making me think the same way that I, humans is. I barely made it through season one, and I had no interest in se- seeing season two. Like it was yeah, a beautiful, exa- same, same. beautiful show, but it it felt like some writer like just masturbating. Like that's the only way that I saw it. Like it was just. 
I was really disappointed with that show because I, I really wanted it to be more. <laughs> I just saw your note about Toby Bub saying swing, which I guess does count as, you know, if we're going to do Wayne's World, um, I guess that can be our official swing. <laughs> Party time. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, but that's that that was her, his reaction and like his guilt when he like she's she's like charging and he tries to like touch her inappropriately. Yeah, was she's that like, I'm going to tell everyone. Was and that I have to tell everybody. Was that her letting him off the hook? Was that a yeah. moment yeah, where she, that question. was so Mia coming through and being you know the same way when she hugs Sophie when Sophie's having a nightmare. Um it was like her acquiescing to her um conscious but here's the question does does it have to be mia does mia have to come through for anita to be able to do this or is anita within her programming able to pull off what we call letting him off the hook i don't think so i think it's um because she says you've touched me inappropriately that um i have to tell our primary user like that's that's the part that's coded She says, oh. any inappropriate contact must be reported. Oh, she warns him then, because he doesn't actually then, touch her, right? Right. And then she oh, says, okay. however, no touch. So she had discretion. And so the question is, can she make choices? And oh, I'm curious, as you, if we you're really... She can. Sorry, what? We know that she can. Who is she? Uh, Mia. No, no, I'm talking about Anita. Well, but but Mia is somewhat no, I, conscious. No, I'm saying if it did, there was no Mia no, inside. Yeah, no, no, but I'm I'm saying that I think that that was Mia, right, and not Anita. My question is, could it? Just, there was no visible uh, indication that it was Anita, uh, that it was Mia, because sometimes when it's Mia, she changes her voice or her gaze changes or whatever. But in this case, it was total Anita. But in any case, my question is, could it be Anita? And could it still constitute letting him off the hook? I mean, sh- sure. It could be a, just a warning thing. The way that, like, you know, a security system, if you approach a house that you're not supposed to go into, you know, the, the motion sensor lights go off, but the alarm doesn't go off until you try to, like, open a window or a door. So, so he, didn't, be, he didn't cop a full feel. So this was the, the lights going the lights. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. I mean... Is that then letting him off the hook, or is that? I, I, I mean, you could see it as that. So but like, I actually, like, there's well, a very more... clear delineation because she says, "Now that you remind me," she says, "If you, you know, any inappropriate touching." Like yeah. it's interesting that she didn't mention that this was a warning until after he panicked, and then she was like, "But I'm, you know, since nothing happened, right? I guess yeah. I'm not." obligated to report anything which is kind of yeah. an, like way to bury the lead there anita again my see like if if you didn't know that it's a robot or if didn't assume that it's a robot if you assume that there is something inside it like the mia thing right mm-hmm. that could maybe sometimes make choices there's really nothing distinguishable behaviorally functionally between what anita did and a human letting another another human off the hook she did exactly what that would happen in that situation So anyone who says, no, that's not what happened because she's programmed, is just biased. 
Well, um, but it's it's can't it's <laughs> had canon either way. You can't know that like maybe that was programmed curious, into Bubs, it. Because if you're a hard determinist, then you think that a human brain is also just a computer, right? Yeah. So then, what, what, where do you fall on this question of then, like, do we give them dignity or do we give them agency or do we, you know, how would you? I think if they are able to feel and suffer, then we give them agency. How do you know that? Um. How do you know I if I am I able know. to feel and suffer? Uh, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> How do you know that? How do you know I'm not just making the noises? And- well, so I, I guess as humans, we create language and communication that's not always textual. Um, but sure, but to- I can make all of this And some people can fake it. it. There's sociopaths fake a lot of quote unquote human emotions. Um, but ultimately, even sociopaths can suffer. Um, so in terms of... But how do of- you know? You never have any evidence for it because I can be doing everything that I'm doing. Everything that you take to be evidence that I'm suffering could happen without me actually suffering, whatever that means. Well, you could take a, a brain scan of someone suffering. and But I could not be feeling any of it. Well, so then you would compare it. So if you... That's what you're saying happens to the robot, right? You're saying it's possible that the robot does everything a human does. But does still doesn't feel any doesn't have the qualia right? This is what we call it, the qualia. I'm I'm not I'm not saying that. You're saying in order to have rights, it has to have qualia, and and so then I'm the question saying in is, order to have rights. So in order to have rights, like for me, it's like does something suffer? And the I guess like to me, like the ultimate like moral compass is to stop suffering. Like that's yeah. that's the biggest but thing. How do you define so, the suffering? Is it this sort of Feel raw feeling in the head. Um, I think it's a identifiable feeling. Not everyone experiences it the same way. For some people, it's more somatic. For some people, it's more torturously emotional. Um, and so if you compare a lot of people in suffering, their brain scans, and you you isolate like where in the brain is this activity happening. Because you can, you can see like specifically what parts of the brain contribute to what. First thoughts, of all, the brain is very plastic, and it's not that simple. That like it's uh, very complex. Part. It's very complex, but we do especially with pain. It is not the case that like the same parts get uh, light up every time. But even if it were, that's not evidence. Still, not evidence that they feel anything. Well, then nothing would be evidence to you. Exactly. The only, <laughs> the only, so, the, the only I, thing, the only uh, entity in the world that you are certain can feel something is you. No, no, no. There is well, no other entity sure, in the world well, the that only... you have any evidence ever that they can feel something. Sure. Unless but like, you become am I, them. But like, then you, you can break that down further. Are we in a simulation? Because like some theories would say that it's highly likely that we are all in a simulation because like. No, no forget pr- simulation. It's just that <laughs> well, we're in the but, real but, world. <laughs> but, but I mean, you're forgetting simulations, but you are acknowledging robot feelings. But w- in a simulation, wouldn't our feelings also be somewhat robotic and would they not matter? Well, that was my question to you is like, if you think we're robots anyway. Mm-hmm. Right then, shouldn't you also say, "Well, we are robots, and we still give each other rights, 
So we should give these well, robots We give each rights. other rights. We give animals rights. Some you know? think we should. Some think we should. No, we, we and do. And people who think we should we give them We do give rights. animals rights. We have, we have anti-cruelty laws. Like, we have, like, of course, it doesn't extend to all animals. And people fight for that. So, like, all, all chickens, I agree that all chickens should be free-range chickens. But not know? everyone feels that. I, I that's exactly think... the point. Is well, that, sure. That's exactly what's happening with the synths, is that some people feel like, this is enough. This is close enough to my experience of the world for me to say that this needs to be treated with some respect and for me if i were to see evidence of suffering i would say yes again if by suffering you mean that qualia that feeling in the head you never have any evidence of it what well, <laughs> nothing is ever evidence okay of sure it. <laughs> sometimes you have to take what data you do have that suggests it and make a decision based on that you know so well, that's so. Then, if you see the robot acting as though it's suffering, do you have any reason to say it's not? I well, you it's a lot of things are contextual. So why would this robot indicate suffering if it was not suffering? A because it's B, a shady fucking robot. What what <laughs> is this robot? What is this robot exhibiting as quote unquote suffering? And what is the makeup of this robot? That we can understand in terms of what suffering would mean to this robot. There's a lot of things that you'd have to like look into, and I, I mean, I think it's a super interesting. Um, but if I was like, if I was building I mean, a line of robots, this comes up in that conversation between the guy. What's his name? Um, the evil scientist guy. Um, I don't know his name. Um, yeah, I only had him noted as e- evil scientist. <laughs> We are told is now at some point. He has a conversation with this other dude, and and they're they're like, um, he says these machines are conscious, and he says, how do you know they're not simulating it? And mm-hmm. then he says, how do you know? How do I know you're not? Um, so sure. this is exactly the conversation Bob's and I are having. Is like, okay, if you want to say that, look, this thing acts as it's indistinguishable from something that I would call conscious, whatever. Mm-hmm. That uh, and I still have doubts that it is, is it really conscious or is it just simulating? Is it lo- making it look like it is, but it's not? Mm-hmm. And then, and the point is, that once you get to that point, and as you can see, I'm not, I'm like kind of pushing for the, the whole functionalist thing. But I, so I'm, I'm saying, like, if you can get to that point and still doubt that the robot has consciousness, then why don't you go ahead and doubt my consciousness and everyone else's? Because at that point, the only one that you really have evidence of consciousness for is just yourself. This is called the problem of other minds. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is that not the thesis of life? (laughs) Yeah, isn't it interesting that we all assume that we all have minds? That I assume that you have an experience of the world that's roughly similar enough to mine. Although I doubt this, or or just that like (laughs) that we exist. Like I mean, this is like the what's it called, the Truman effect. Uh huh. What is the Truman? The Truman effect. So did you see the the Truman Show? Yeah. Um. So in the Truman Show, Jim Carrey's character um was basically born into a reality television show is that a 90s movie reference oh i believe it probably yeah truman show was definitely 90s oh well there i guess like an actual good 98 nicely done bubs yep so truman show 
so he's born into this um, reality television that, you know, the rest of the world watches. And so he grows up in this in this huge studio, which he can't see, you know, to him, it's like a, a full world. Like there's TV there. There's like he goes to school, et cetera. But all of it, like all of his companions, his neighbors, they're all actors and they have been his entire life. So um, everyone's basically tuning in to a show to watch him grow up. Basically, this is, in real time. By the time. way, what I believed about myself when I was a child. Exactly, but this is that's why that <laughs> it's it's a thing. It's psycho psychologically. Oh, it's called the Truman Show delusion. Mm -hmm. uh, informally known as Truman Syndrome is a type of delusion in which the person believes that their lives are staged reality shows or that they are being watched on camera. The term coined in 2008 by brothers Joel Gold and Ian Gold, psychiatrist and neurophilosopher, respectively, after the film The Truman Show. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a very like it's it's not uncommon that people feel this way. And like, I remember in high school looking out my window being like, stop watching me <laughs> because like any teenager, you think that like you're the center of the world. Um, and so it, it, it is yeah. like this very real feeling. And, and it's like, I think it is completely tied into like how you perceive other people having emotions and um, how you prioritize your own emotions over another person's emotions um because obviously obviously to you to you yours are more real because you know them and you feel them um yeah i mean the thing is everyone's life um kind of has um recurring patterns mm -hmm. that is shocking to them themselves because they're not they don't feel like they're consciously bringing it about mm -hmm. um but it's because of the kinds of things that they do and the way they present themselves to the world that they keep happening to them. Like the relationships are always the same. You yeah. Know, I have that experience. And so, but you kind of sometimes feel like, is this, is someone scripting this or like, is someone like messing with me? Like, this is crazy. Why does this fucking, <laughs> the same fucking thing keep happening to me? So, yeah. I totally feel that way. I feel like, so I feel like there's been several times in my life, especially in the last like 10 uh, ish years where I feel that I'm in a video game where my player is, like, really trying to make things work out for me. Like, keeps, like, you know, shelling out cash to buy the bonuses to, like, help me out. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, like, it's like I keep making the wrong decisions, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I relate to that a lot because I'm like, this is ridiculous. But at the same time, I'm like, it does feel like I'm in a video game and I'm just, like... They, they keep trying to get me to, like, do things that'll make me win this video game. And I keep being like, nah, I'm just going to go have a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the guy's name is Hop, by the way. I actually have his... Have oh, yeah. His I was going to say you had a note about Hop. Yeah. So going back to this conversation that they had, it's interesting because he... When he says, how do you know these machines aren't simulating consciousness? Hop says, how do I know you're not? Mm -hmm. But then he goes on to say, Elster would have never created something that merely simulated consciousness. He wanted true consciousness. Mm -hmm. So he's making this distinction between something that could indistinguishably perfectly simulate consciousness but not be conscious mm -hmm. versus something that is truly conscious. So that's really the distinction that the question is, that, is that one of the major questions that we keep asking ourselves in the show is, is that something that can possibly happen so or is it that anything that is 
so is perfectly indistinguishable from a conscious being, it must necessarily have all of those things, including whatever that feeling thing is that we call qualia, it will have that, even if it's made of silicon rather than carbon, it will have some version of that thing that we call mm -hmm. pain or suffering or whatever, because it has the exact same functions as, as far as we can see. So, but can something be conscious and not feeling and would we care about it? Like a Sorry, say that again. Could there be something that's conscious but not uh -huh. feeling? Uh huh. And I feel like before I categorized a sociopath as someone who's feeling, but I, I, there is a difference that we qual like the reason why we qualify something as sociopathy is someone who does not experience emotions to the extent that other humans experience yeah. emotions. So they don't feel guilt, they don't feel shame, they don't feel. Yeah, or not a as lot intensely. of negative feelings. You know, well, they're pretty secure in who they are. So um, there's there's a quote that that actually well, there's a disease. Sorry, there's a disease that you lose the ability to feel pain. Yes, and um, and also no one to pee. <laughs> and this is a deadly Different. disease, of course. It's very easy to die if you can't feel pain. Yeah, but yes, it's it's interesting um, that you said that because. I also have this note about Niska because Niska can right. turn off her pain. Well, they, mm -hmm. they all can. But, you know, Leo said, did you turn off your pain like I told you to when he goes to visit mm -hmm. her in the brothel? I'm not sure Leo can. And, well, no, because he's not mm -mm. fully synth, he's, but yeah. the synths can yeah. do that. Did you turn off the pain like I told yeah. you to? And Niska said, no, I was meant to feel. Like, she doesn't yeah. want to give that up, no matter how <laughs> bad it I, is. This is very interesting, right? Because, like, okay, so there's this trope in sci-fi that, like, if you can't feel pain, you're not human, right? Like, we had mm -hmm. this whole conversation in The Hundred, like, with the City of Light. Right. If you can't have these mm -hmm. painful memories, then what are you? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, and which, you know, I, I always, you know, push it, push back against and whatever. I disagree. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, it's interesting because, like, Niska turns off her pain. Does that make her not conscious? Does that make her not human? Because now I'm it's all of a sudden... Are sociopaths not human then? I think a theory of sociopathy is that they somatically f are feel pain to a much lesser degree than everybody else. And this is the root of them not being able to empathize with other people is that they don't understand pain. So therefore, they don't understand why they should... Co uh, they should care about other people's to someone pains. else's pain. Yeah. Yeah, well, they have nothing to compare it to. Like, they don't sympathize with it because it's not... So, to them, it's not a real thing. Yeah. Um, And so, in from that sense, like, yeah, is the sociopath a human? Um, I guess, like, we would argue that they are. Um, And not all we sociopaths are like serial killers. Um, I mean, in the penal system, we do. Um, We don't put dogs in jail. Um, Better not. <laughs> yeah, we certainly don't put anyone in jail for for the uh, mere fact of being a sociopath. I no, mean, sociopath we don't. is not like a psych psychiatric category, by the way. But like, if someone has like antisocial personality disorder, but that, I mean, that's that's just the because DS they're diagnosed with that, we don't take away their saying, agency. Yeah, that's the DSV way of saying sociopath, basically. But yeah, we don't. We have a penal system, which means unless you go against the penal system you're not a criminal which makes sense and a lot of sociopaths don't go against it because they don't want to end up in jail 
regardless of they're like not they don't feel empathy for other people. They don't care about other people. But they self-preservation says, I don't really want to be in this situation. Exactly. And it's only those who have um, other things like um, self-regulation issues. I would say like someone who has ADHD and is a sociopath is a terrible mix and will definitely be in jail because like the the lack of executive function is very problematic. Um, so, yeah. So... Yeah. I want to I want to actually take us to uh, a different quote um that 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 is kind of related to what to what we were talking about and Shaheen you and I both have it in here and it's um there was a moment I I think was it was it Laura talking I think to Joe maybe um while Anita was looking at the moon um which was what is human emotion what is love is it something we're born with or can it be learned and what about the darker feelings? Fear, anger, violence. Human consciousness is not complete without them. And memory, ours is fallible. How do you teach a computer to forget or to dream? Yeah. And that dream line, having then seen all the way through season three, is such mm-hmm. a premonition because uh-huh. yeah. the whole big boom moment is that there is a synth who dreams. And I yeah, think... but this is... I love... Sorry, it was it was just it was just such a a fantastic quote that sort of sets the roadmap yeah. in a lot of ways of of the show and especially where we're going to end at least you know especially if they ended after season 3 of there's going to be a, you know and with uh spoiler alert Maddie's pregnancy um you know mm-hmm. with with um with Leo's sort of quarter synth I guess kid um you know it, it's it's super interesting to sort of ask these okay what is human emotion like all of these sort of things if all of these things can be taught you know then the really only thing left is is sleep and dreams and something where you can't control it you know what i mean like mm-hmm. when we're awake we're conscious we can theoretically sort of control and and guide what we're feeling and what our emotions are or at least our reaction to those things but when you take away you know consciousness in the sense of i am not awake right now but my mind mm-hmm. is still active and doing something um mm-hmm. i i just I, I love that we both called out that called out that quote yeah no i love that monologue um i mean this is setting up again like i said every scene this can be analyzed in this like he's setting up this question of because he says how do we even know if we achieve the goal, if we wanted to create true consciousness, how would how would we even know if we achieved it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. a great question, right? It's like, okay, let's say that was your goal. When would you ever, how would you ever know? What is your evidence that you found you did it? Um, at the end of the day, aren't you going to rely on the observable um, consequences of what you take to be a certain mental state? Mm-hmm. as evidence for the existence of that mental state and so if you're seeing all of that same observable evidence in this other thing then uh wouldn't you automatically attribute those same mental states to it uh, I, or if you think that no there's some there has to be something more to what's just on the outside um then how then you know so that's the question is like you have to settle that philosophical question before you can even know that you achieved what you were trying to achieve. I, I don't know if you could. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it'd actually be really interesting in terms of like if this is a computational system that reached sentience. Like, you know, there's so much we don't know about the brain and it's very hard for us to compare because of how much we don't know about the brain. Um, if If we had this 
thing that we are classified in. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how we would classify it as sentient, but if we had curiosities about it being sentient and we were able to actually observe the, you know, the in real time calculations and responses that it was creating in its system, like, would that tell us about the way that our brain works? Would this like clarify what goes on when we create memories or when we um make judgments or when we dream like is that not unless is the that hardware the has some sort of similarity or what not unless the hardware has similarity i assume yeah that... of course of course but like yeah. that that's like again that's like something i'll talk about my wall actually um but in terms of if it if it were like and i i don't know that we could definitively say that this is sentience because yeah like how do you not know how do you know if it's just a really great program that is able to emulate what we do as humans and it's not actually i mean is it is it in the way that like so if you create 10 um 10 robot humans and um (laughs) are they all the same always if they're all the same always are they sentient or is it just the programming? Or do they evolve Well, what do you mean different? by they're the same always? This is really good because this is a conversation <laughs> between Leo and Max, right? Yes. We, there will never be... If you create two synths uh-huh. the exact same way uh-huh. and let them loose in the world and then come back and check back with them like two years or five years or whatever, mm-hmm. they're not going to be behaving the same way. Well, uh, but, but how would you know? Because if you look at human, the human um, uh, research between like nature versus nurture and you look at right. twin studies and you have twins that were separated at birth who went on to have the exact same jobs, live in the exact same kind of town and house, and marry women with the exact same name and qualifications. So, like, <laughs> is it, like... It, well, that must have been, like, a very singular case. But that, I give, that, was, that was you, a very specific case, but I grant you this that, is yeah, across like the board. Across the board with twin studies that they... Okay, but twins are creepy. Twins like, are creepy. No, right. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, yes, they're creepy. It's true that, like, of course, a lot of things are... Um, a lot of traits are highly heritable, and that's exactly my point. Is that the traits I mean, being nature. Her- the yeah. traits being heritable is the analog of I am my hardware is designed this way, right? Mm-hmm. Because Max says, "Look, you, you maybe you are different, but like you're because you're part human, but I was designed to be this way. My mm-hmm. dad, our dad, designed me." And then Leo says, "Well." I was also, I'm the product of uh, whatever, uh, however I was constituted materially at the beginning and everything that's happened ever since uh, my consciousness started, mm-hmm. right? So, like, everything that's happened to me, the, the input from the environment, it has shaped mm-hmm. who I am. And it's the same for you. You recorded in a silicon circuit and I recorded on a carbon circuit, mm-hmm. but... You know, so and if if we were twins, which is the analog of two like identical um sins, they they would probably like you're saying they would end up doing a lot of similar things, but there would still be differences between them. So as much as there's differences between human twins. So um this just um 
This just, when you were saying uh, something that you were saying reminded me of this conversation between Leo and Max. Um, because you were saying right, because you said if you create two robots, or how many did you say? Ten. Five, <laughs> ten. Bubs has you an army. Ten of them. <laughs> right, and they they they're all the same, like meaning they do the exact same thing. It's a soccer team, and I'm the goalie. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking gangbang, but whatever. <laughs> Oh, Characteristic bubs. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> <laughs> Sex yeah. robots. Anyway. Um. All right. Uh, we we certainly <laughs> got real real far into it. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to want to cover before we we get into our well actuallys? Wait. Do we ever talk about um? Do we ever talk about Leo and friends? Oh, we we've we've been bringing them into it, but if there was something that you want to like specifically yeah, um, specifically say about and it, and the family, uh, I feel like I hold on, okay. <laughs> like I feel like we 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 jumped around a little bit between Leo and friends yeah. and uh, Joe and Laura, but like if there's something that we we missed and you want right. to touch on, let's let's talk about it. <laughs> I think also like the the question Laura asks: Do you think we love our children because we choose to, or do we have to? Are we hardwired to love our children? This is also interesting, right? Because like mm-hmm. I feel like, well, there's clearly a, a mechanism inside a woman's body that really strongly inclines the woman after birth to uh, take care of this child. Um, and it's, to a large extent, kind of out of your control. It just kicks in. Just hormonals. Yeah, and you can't. And like yeah, men, and men go through it too. Like you know, and we're we're obviously on the podcast, not saying like obviously there are like extenuating yeah. circumstances. Not everyone's going to respond the same way, but overall, there is a biological, theoretical, biological imperative that you know you see a young thing and you want to take care of it. Yeah, that's how we survive. So, yeah, so it's like, isn't that just being programmed? I mean, um, yeah, like how or much? Is it a matter of degrees? Like, what if you have a little bit of leeway but it's really so strongly inclined to do it that um you know you'll most likely do it but maybe you can resist it like one out of a hundred times or something. i mean what's the difference between like a chemical reaction that that happens in your body you know within your endocrine system like what's the difference between between that and something that happens programmatically like if yeah if if the urge is still the same right if but people say this, right? People say, well, it's not making choices because it's all programmed to do it. Or they say, like, it's it's not really feeling it because it's programmed to make it look like it's feeling it. Right? And so it's like... But isn't well, that what a chemical reaction is? It's, it's, it's Yeah, that's exactly my question. Yeah. Is our brain... Aren't our brains... Yeah. Our brains are bullshit. I'm the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else... Um, Nesca killed a pedo. Yeah. I would, I would like, you know, good job, Nesca. Oh, there's one other thing. Oh, okay, so but, here's but a was thorny. the pedo being a good pedo by going to a robot and having her exactly. pretend she's a child? That's exactly because, my like, question. That's my thing with like obviously pedophilia is the grossest thing, but like it's like when people say like they, I don't know, like you, I guess like sh- don't you have to give them like a safe outlet? I mean, that's the thing. Like, there there are arguments for saying that, you know, does this, them, like, does this prevent cartoons? actual children from being harmed? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like where are the science? There should be science research into this because like that's what's going to give us answers in terms of like how we should solve this problem. Because if yeah. people are always going to be if like a percentage of people are always going to be born with this affliction, um, either we're going to decide as a society that we're going to just like kill them once we find out or we're going to make this a manageable thing for them. Yeah, it's yeah. it, it it's I mean, so yeah. hard to sort of talk about because it's super fucking squicky and terrible. Oh, um it, because yes. because yes, it's it not is. just it's not just um in this case, it's not just quote unquote a robot. It is something that and Niska sort of gets into this, you know, like because she thinks and she feels, and so she mm-hmm. understands sort of the, the the disgustingness of it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, in yeah. in sort of the larger picture of okay, well, if he's not hurting kids, is this a better option? Because um, yeah. theoretically, you know, the unconscious sense it won't fuck them up. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, mm. it's. Um... Even if it were a human sex worker, and the question is, isn't it better that he has this other outlet rather than to go and actually actualize it in the world? Um, but I was, I was also gonna say, notice how this question of, uh, you know, minors and like pedophilia is, is related to this very question of agency, because the, what is the definition of, uh, pedophilia is. When uh, someone who we give full agency to, namely an adult, has uh, sexual relationships with someone who we don't give agency to, right? Namely a minor. So uh, someone that we don't think is qualified to make decisions, especially with regards to reproductive behavior. Um, So that, but then the question, there's this other question of what age, at what age do you draw the line? And I think that people confuse the two questions a lot. The two questions a lot of times, um, because they've been accustomed to a certain age being that age. But uh, it's it's a very interesting question, right? At, at what age do you want to give a child well, it, agency? It's also and I feel like if there was no there was no question of law, if I was just on an island with like five kids. <laughs> oh, where is this no. going, Shaheen? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> And there was, and there was no one to like. There was no one to. But 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 there's a difference. There's a difference between being attracted to someone who is, who has gone through puberty, who is sexually mature, but by law we are saying that they are still unable to consent, versus being attracted to children, which is different. Like that is a different. Like there's. Uh, I see. Yeah, you can see like a seventeen-year-old and be like. That she's not emotionally ready, but like okay, <laughs> or yeah, versus the way she you know, looks is is complicated. And well, <laughs> like a fourteen year old would be uh, have gone through puberty, right? Or not 15. always. So, it's, some it's people like it's not like something that's overnight, but but it, it, it's like something that takes time. Yeah, I mean, oh my yeah. god, Google yeah, guess, Google is yelling at me. What? Google is yelling at me about Mark Twain. Hey, Google. Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) Sorry, Google. I was rude. (laughs) I mean, the, the weird part I think about this, and I know that the point that the show was trying to make in terms of, like, this dude is, you know, a pedo trying to get his, you know, 
kicks out in a quote unquote safe way is that like he Niska as an adult woman, I don't think the show was not um, granular enough to get into that. Like they're just kind of like creating a situation that the viewer will have a visceral reaction to, but you know, someone we don't feel sorry was murdered is basically. Yeah. And Niska's not fucking around. But again, I feel like the guy didn't do anything wrong. So as far as I know, so I'm like, why do I not feel sorry that he died? Because he has this thing. He has this issue, but he hasn't acted on it as far as I know. He hasn't done anything. But we don't. I mean, we don't know that. And I think that we are supposed like we're because we society presumption of innocence, like pedophilia as such a like hard red line um understandably i'm not defending it in any way um i think that like we sort of see it as well you know it could have you know he he was gonna do it and i totally see what you're saying shaheen and that you know we don't have evidence that he did um so maybe that this was his sort of like you know thing and maybe who knows? Maybe that was the purpose of Sam down the line, and that's what we're gonna find out, you know, in season four that the kid fucking robots were created for. I don't know. Oh god. Um, oh god. But yeah, no, like yeah. we never did really oh. get an explanation about the kid robots, did we? Kid rob robots are another one of my big well, actually. <laughs> cause like we did it's like kid vampires. You shouldn't create them because you know Well, but like you shouldn't create them or like how are they different from other robots that are just in a kid body? Like they're the same age as other robots. Yeah. Like I don't understand why they were treated differently on the show. Um it's, they don't have a lot of the basic programs installed. They don't. Like they do Yeah, do they we have know to that? learn a lot of basic things just like a Do child. we know that? I mean Yeah, cuz they have to teach them like Karen No, has they to have teach to teach them. every robot. Not all the basic stuff. Oh, I see what you're saying cuz Karen like definitely like took yeah, took the robot. She took Sam she on and like basic tried- human things. Cuz he didn't know. Say what? She like we don't teach them like things. to walk and talk and stuff. The, the big the like a human. They already of course, know they wouldn't teach that to synths. Uh, but not not anything. Or maybe else. it's for like people who are childless. But at the same time, then what are you going to do when they never grow up? Like it's kind of weird. No, yeah, well, it's super. We weird. got an explanation for that, Joe. That we know where they came from. This that uh, corporation was producing them, and then they got this. Yeah, but why? Why would you make a kid? Yeah, for people who don't have kids to to have, but kids. then they won't well, grow I mean, up. As my, par- my yeah, parents, yeah, I know, always were like, "You guys grow too fast." I don't, I don't actually think that would be a, <laughs> them growing, not growing up would be a problem. I think that people would actually like that, and that they always have a kid, this thing to care for. People are weird. Um, Get a cat, permanent people, child. But it's like, it's like, it's. I don't. I, honestly, I think that like as a human would adapt to them never growing and always like infantilizing them, but like in a way that like. I don't think it's, I don't know that it would be unhealthy. Like, I think it would just be, they'd always just treat them like an eight-year-old, you know? Um, yeah, sure. but but at the same time, this eight-year-old kid is also the same thing as like a however-year-old robot that was in an adult body. Like, the programming is not different. So I don't I, I like when when the lady was like oh, I didn't know you were doing this children I'm like 
how is it different? <laughs> it's just a different body. Like, this is your line? Well, you just, like, dismantled cognizant of robots and tortured them, but your line is them putting the technology into a, a like, a, a synthetic child's body? That, to me, was, like, that's your I was line. really taken out of the... The story there because I, I I knew that I was supposed to think that that was crazy, but I didn't. Bonsai. Are we talking end of season two? No, we're talking yeah end of season two and then into <laughs> season three. But but I I would like to sort of I feel like we should probably uh, move things along into well yeah. actuallys just because we've yeah. gone down fourteen thousand rabbit holes and possibly even cut out the pedo. I mean the show is always going to be like so many. Oh my god, holes. it's so like there's it's so rich. Um. Petty Dickery, uh, let's go with you, Shaheen, first. What, what's your what's your well actuallys? Um, oh jeez, I have a chip in my. Um. <laughs> this is why we eat before we podcast. Your head. Okay, so <clears throat> okay, so I had two well actuallys, I guess. Um, one of them is just kind of I don't know. This this is probably just something that wasn't coordinated during the uh, screenwriting. Anita taking Sophie outside mm -hmm. at the end of season one. That was a total red herring, right? Like, this, that was a nut thing. There was... Right? What, the, what do you mean? Wait, she took her outside? <laughs> yeah. I thought that she yeah. found her outside. No, she took her outside. She oh. took Sophie outside. We saw her walk outside. Oh, her. well, I missed that part, damn it. And apparently <laughs> took her to some lake place or something. Which I get it, Mia probably kicked in or something. I don't, I don't get it, but like that, we like never got an explanation of where did she take her, what it was. It was just a I think device to for the next episode for Laura to get more paranoid. I think it was Anita, um, like sort of having these weird sort of flashbacks and like sort of it was PTSD. I think I think that this was Anita slash Mia's like robot PTSD with dealing with Leo and sort of trying to protect this child, which that was her job to do with Leo and right, but sort of failing at do? that did job. She, did she take Sophie and like pretend drown her and then save her? I think that Is she that... probably just took her outside and maybe like maybe it rained or something and like her shoes got wet. I'm I'm not like I wish that we had gotten more of that for <laughs> yeah, sure. It was that was one thing. And then um, the other thing was like their disinfection system where they're like washing Oh for the, the... sex robots? Yeah, the sex robots. That's like shockingly primitive. Just, just hose them down. It's just the lady holding a hose. It's like I thought. I would have thought like at the at the time when we maybe had a little like bleach. Conscious synths. There would be like fancy like little, you know, nozzles coming out and like going through every little bit part of the body or something. Uh, so, anyway. so to to or it would be laser, or like it would be disinfected with laser. To, to your no to your petty dickery, um, in terms of <laughs> of of weird world building, um, it, yeah, like you would think that there would be a better like a UV light way of disinfecting them or something like that, and like so mine was just it's sort of odd that the only like type of advanced tech like be like cuz it's set you know in sort of like it's supposed to be our world you know like it's 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 not too dissimilar from yeah. ours but that the only type of advanced tech in that world is these synths like the rest right. of the world is just like ours right now and yet somehow we have developed like the most amazing ai humanly possible yeah. plus i like that though <laughs> plus sexy i like that robot. because i think that other stuff is so distracting sometimes like if it's um, too futurist 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you if you read the um the premise, it says that um it's um it's set in an alternate present. Yeah. So I just think it's funny, yeah. like because you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's weird because and it wouldn't be. It's not natural. Like uh, yeah, it would not. We would have had advanced other things at the time at the, by then. Exactly. But yeah, but I think I, I agree with Bob's that like be if it seems like that wasn't the point of the, the whole the show and so like mm-hmm. it, there's no point trying to like guess okay what else would be different yeah. at this because this is know, the choice whatever. that the that the showrunners make. Um <laughs> yeah. what about you Bubs? What? Your well actually slash petty dick. Oh my well actually okay so this took me out several times on the show. Um, is th- there's this like huge ass- assumption that sentient robots would be just like us, and I think that's completely off base. Like you mean looking like us? No, no, no. I mean emotionally, just like us. Hmm. Um, humans yeah. and any animal. That's very interesting. Um, you know, we went through billions of years of evolution to get where we are. And so many of our impulses, the ones we are aware of, the ones we are not aware of, they're all directed by the evolution that brought us here today. Like the the statistics of each of us being alive today are crazy when you look at them. Um, I mean, it's beyond winning the lottery like a thousand times in a row. Yeah. Um, and so all of that is like all these decisions or no, all these things that nature kind of forced into being. And so the things that the decisions we make, the lives we live, the goals we have, the way that we connect to society, all of that is directed by evolution. You know, it's like we're stronger together um, but isn't the premise that they that 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 he designed so them? sure we we create these in our image, but I I just can't see us like the only thing that to me would come close to maybe having the same goals and aspirations as a human is V, and because only because V was modeled off of an actual human brain mm, from season two, you know. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is spoilers. Spoilers. Um, and, There's an AI. <laughs> um, but all these, all these um, androids that we're working with now, Bonsai, quit it. I'm sorry you have to poop, but you're going to have to hold it. Um, and so all these androids now, they don't have those, the, the directives that they were given rudimentarily, um, those things should cease to exist the second they become sentient in the sense that they are um making decisions i i don't know on a higher level I, I i really i feel like the only thing that i see is like sentience is like when the programming stops being linear you know when it starts being this um real time cloud of information that they're making decisions on on the fly that like you know their experiences factor into it like they're they're learning in real time like that is like so they're able to Taking but isn't all these that data already points. Anita and all the well, other so-called non-conscious synths don't already don't, don't they already do that? Supposedly, but I'm saying that like the the um what we're shown as um sentient beings, I don't think it's accurate. We're anthropomorphizing what we believe would be artificial intelligence and the yeah, way they I connect totally to us. I totally agree with you. And yeah. so, and so, if, to me, it's a little bit difficult, and I wish they would. 
I wish somehow they would explain this. And I guess, again, it's like we're building, we built them in our image. So, but like, I still think the second that they were given sentient, sentience, that they would not have the same goals that we had. I think that they would just kind of be really annoyed by us in a lot of ways. I mean, well, we you get know? that a like little these bit frivolous... in season three, like where they're yes. like, fuck them, fuck humans, yeah. we're better. But, but uh, yes, but but I feel like it would have more been this thing where they're like, oh, stop, stop, like, um, interrupting us. You know, we're having, we're, like, working to, like, do all these other things. And, and I don't know what these other things would be, but I think that they would be, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that I could know because, like, only, only this artificial intelligence that has its own directives I, I it's like it's a very complicated thing to describe but they would definitely 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 not have um the impulses and the wants that's that evolution created within us that took okay. billions of years i love that and that so, was your fucking petty dickery well no <laughs> it, it's like it's 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 like a thing that like it takes like i love this show but i continuously have to stamp down that reality to make it work for me because it just I I, I love Niska's love story for example yeah but like a, a synth showing love like I I think that that we would see that like most likely in even in it would still be very unlikely but most likely we would see that occur between someone with severe autism and a synth you know they would connect on the same <laughs> level of like being being very attracted to data and like and and what that means and the intricacies and even the humor the data creates um and, and they would connect on that level versus what we're getting is very very human. sexy german and lady like we, the show a hundred percent anthropomorphizes what artificial intelligence is and i think that really they would just be like oh these frivolous humans let's build a, a spaceship and just move on from this you know and they would just go I don't know. Discover what's out there in the universe and leave us behind. <laughs> One thing that this that they do that I like and is not anthropomorphizing is um when they have sex. They... Uh, that's anthropomorphized. No, no. Because how, how do they know what pleasure is? How do you program pleasure? How but do that's you the whole thing pain? is they don't they don't feel they don't feel the same pleasure in sex. They say that. Um, like when uh, Mia has sex and he asks, he asks her, what was it like? She says, I like the closeness. Um, so they don't, they don't, of course, they don't have like those sensors but, down there. But again, what does like, closeness mean to her? How, yeah, how, well, how I agree with something? you that they will feel different things. You know, because I, we connect to other people, it's like a collectivistic. Maybe that dude was just bad in bed. Thing. Again, like no, as a, <laughs> I'm just saying, like Niska but, did but not no. seem to seem to be complaining about hot German girlfriend. Maybe <laughs> that dude that Mia slept with <laughs> was just no, mediocre. No, no, there was actually there was a dialogue with Niska too, where she said something similar. But either but way, I want to say, yeah, sorry. I want to say, even I, I agree with you that their uh, feelings and needs and uh, instincts, whatever, uh, their goals, impulses would be different from us. Way um, different. <laughs> but uh, I also, again, as if I understand why, as like a reductivist, you would think that that's the end. But like as as a functionalist, I feel like it, they could still have a lot of the same functions. That we recognize that are similar enough to ours that we recognize as being those things. The same way that 
I recognize my cat missing me, even though, of course, you know, it's can't. For, no, for one cat. thing can't tell me that it's missing, whatever. But there shows behaviors that I recognize as being what I consider uh, the the primitive version of what I, in a human I consider missing. But that's different, um, though, because your cat again has had billions of years of evolution leading up to this okay. point. It's okay. I think that the same thing can come about through different... That's the whole point of, fun, of functionalism is that it doesn't have to have the same hardware. The evolution created a specific hardware that we have um, that has these functions, yeah. but you can it's very actualize specific. the same function in different hardwares. It doesn't have to be the exact same hardware. Sure. I mean, the Incredible Burger does not have meat. Or what's it called? The Impossible Burger. The Impossible Burger does not have meat, but it's made to imitate meat. Um, so sure, you could create something, but is it true sentience if we're just having it mimic us? And and this goes back to we, what you've been saying um, several times. Um, and I think that like for for technology to re- reach sentience, I think it would be something unlike anything that we could imagine. Because otherwise, yeah. it's just a complex computer program that, I mean, unless it's suffering, I don't think that it is for sure existing. Again, I would go back to, <laughs> how do you know a complex computer program is suffering? Um, but I, this also goes back to that guy's <laughs> monologue, because like, no matter what, no matter how you how you create a synth to imitate a human, there are certain things that are just not going to feel. For example, hunger. They're not going to feel that. Mm-hmm. Is that important for some for being for the human to experience? Be able to feel that, right? A, well, think again. Evolution has driven us. When we eat sugar, we get ridiculously happy, you know. And robots are never going to have that. Like it's there's so many drivers that create our reactions because well, they don't have a biological drive. Food exactly. So, but that's again, they would be very different. The question is, is that necessary for us to consider them conscious? No, not in my mind. No, but I, I think that, their con- again, their consciousness would be different, unrecognizable to what we would think of as consciousness. Um, all right. <laughs> Other thoughts? Anything else you guys want to add? Besides this show is so fucking good. Oh, was Sophie a mistake, baby? Because how much younger is she? That's a good question. Uh, Sophie's what six? I think so. I would guess, and Maddie is seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little whoopsie doodle. <laughs> oh, <hey>. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> I have I have siblings much older. Than you. Were you a whoopsie doodle? No. Though though my parents did want me to be a girl. <laughs> what are you gonna do? So they were kind of like, uh, whatever. All right. uh, and so Shahina will name him Shaheen. <laughs> yeah. Um, they weren't too impressed. They were kind of like, okay, I guess we raise this one. Too. I guess. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, <laughs> any any other thoughts before we get into TV shows to recommend? Nope. Um, TV shows to recommend, Bubs. Oh, I know that I've talked about this before, but Star vs. the Forces of Evil just came back for its fourth and final season. So if you've been watching it, I'm just telling you that it's back and you can catch up on Disney, the Disney app. That's how I caught up. 
Um, or else you can get up at 8 a.m. on Sunday and watch the two new episodes <laughs> that they air every weekend. Um, but I love Star vs. Wars Evil. I'm super sad that it's getting the axe. I don't really understand why because the ratings are really great. Um, until I, I like saw an interview with the creator and she seemed kind of full of herself. And I hate saying that because I love the show and I think like to an extent she should be kind of full of herself, but I wonder if she was a little bit difficult and that's why it got the axe. I don't know. Either way. Is she a female Jason Rothenberg? <laughs> Maybe. Murber. Boom. Um, Speaking of full of himself. <laughs> but no, I, 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 I don't know. It's getting, I, I'm really confused as to why it's getting the axe. I'm hoping it's because it's going to be turned into some movie franchise. That's what I'm crossing my fingers over, but we'll see. Anyways, watch Star Wars The Forces of Evil every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Disney XD. <laughs> um, I would like to, I haven't actually watched the newest episode that has aired, but Into the Badlands is back for the back, for its final half season. Uh, apparently it got canceled. I'm a little bit bummed about that. Um, but it is just visually just a stunning show. The dialogue isn't great, but it's entertaining. And like, there's not been like a post-apocalyptic kung fu western basically like on tv um and so it's just it, it's it airs on amc it's just really cool looking um yeah i'm just glad that it's back though i'm sad to find out that it was canceled uh shaheen tv show um yeah so i'm gonna recommend it's not exactly a tv show but it's bandersnatch you guys done watched done bandersnatch uh, no, uh, I've never heard of it. I've is. only played the game Balderdash. Dude, okay. So this is a thing on Netflix, okay? It's called Bandersnatch. It's uh, technically a one and a half hour movie, but you get to control, you get to make decisions for, uh, for oh, some of the Oh, is this the, the Choose Your Own Adventure decisions. on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Oh, was it good? And it's it's insane. It's really good, yeah. Um, so you, you get to choose, you get, you sometimes get to choose for the character and depending on what you choose, the story will be different. And, and what happens is it keeps ending and then going back to the beginning, but the choices that you made in the previous iteration affect this timeline as well. Um, and so like you keep accumulating the results of the choices that you made in some ways. That seems kind Uh, of cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's awesome. Um, and it's really trippy. Messes with your head. It's like it, it. It ends up being like the story is about this very thing. It's about being inside a story like this. Like the character realizes you are making choices for them, and then the the character tries to go against you. <laughs> uh, the viewer is it's awesome. That sounds super. Like check maybe I'll check that out. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Um. Any other thoughts? That's nope, it. Crickets. I'm pumped to talk more. All right. Uh, we'll be back with uh, more humans, um, 103 to 104. Um, if you like this or hated it, come yell at us on Twitter at MayWeGeekAgain. Um, that's all I got, guys. Yeah. Tell us if you're a determinist or a compatibilist. Or a dick jokist. Because <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> okay, bye. All right. Maybe geek again. All right. I forgot our tagline.